Computer, resume program. The Doctor's EMH. From the beginning. Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are talking about the holodeck episodes in Star Trek Voyager. Are you ready to be flung into the Delta Quadrant with us? Because your whole world's about to be turned upside down. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the elephant in the room, everyone. This is a lot of episodes that we're going to talk about today. Like a lot of episodes. (laughs) A lot. So in Voyager, 66 episodes mention a holodeck total. We're covering 29 of those. Yeah. So I actually had a dream last night that we were recording the podcast and talking about the hologram episodes in Voyager. And I felt like I had a lot of really good points, but that just tells you how much we've been watching Voyager (laughs) over the past week because my life is just completely consumed and I even dream about these holographic episodes to the point, and this has never happened in all of our podcasts, where I thought to myself, this is too many holodeck episodes. (laughs) I've never thought, even during our crazy family series antics, that I would ever be like, this is too many episodes. (laughs) But it's good to know, because now we know what our upper level is, where like, this is- Where our tolerance is. This is too much. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's for a couple reasons. Voyager's great, but there are just some episodes, it's just not as quality as some other ones. In a different way than, like, TNG had some cringy holodeck episodes, but I feel like this is, like, a combination of interesting and cringy. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. Listeners, I'm moving, like, next week, and so I'm praying to whatever landlord gods exist out there that we won't get noisy upstairs neighbors, because we're on the first floor, so... Hopefully you all can tolerate this for hopefully just like a couple weeks more. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you for your patience. So, okay, we have a lot to cover today, obviously, so many episodes, but we do have some important housekeeping business to talk about. So thank you so much to Dave Willett, Caroline Noskos, Wolf Wit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gildara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, Michelle, and Ian Davis. Davies. <laughs> Woo! Thank you so much for being our incredible patrons. And we apologize for not shouting you out in the last few episodes. You can see we've been consumed by the holodeck. Yeah, absolutely consumed by holodeck. Like, all of the thoughts were driven from our mind. Also, yesterday was Trek Talks 2. I really hope you were able to check that out on YouTube. We had a great talk with John Billingsley about Trek Talks 2. I hope you are able to tune in and also to donate to the Hollywood Food Coalition. I know they raised over $106,000, which is spectacular. And I know podcasts like Strange New Pod 
was matching donations. So like a lot of different things came together from various sources to make this happen. So please consider donating and rewatching the playback on YouTube. It was a great day. It was so fun to see all of these faces and to see John just like thriving in his environment. I was like, this is the coolest. Yeah, absolutely yeah. thriving. Also, Anson Mount wore a amazing sweater. Believe like, you're talking about the sweater. I'm sorry, the sweater, <laughs> it really stuck out to me. <laughs> he he it did. It's like Chris Evans' sweater from uh, Knives Out. So totally. If yeah. you like that sweater, you'll love the sweater because it's on a Star Trek person. And it was a beautiful interview. Yeah. Also, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Also, um, thank you to Random Red Shirt for hosting us last week on their episode of their pod and this week we recorded an episode with them so uh, they are our guests uh, that'll probably come out next week so just thank you this was a really fun podcast collaboration and i encourage our listeners to check out the random red shirt podcast you'll also be able to find them in captain picard week which is coming up i don't think we've talked about this on the pod yet rihanna so captain picard week we participated in it last year hosted by strange new pod and all of the amazing people over there it is a podcast collaboration where we all come together for a great cause which is celebrating our favorite captain Picard. So every podcast will feature something about him. We don't even know actually what our topic is yet, but we will figure it out. And I'll just say keep an eye out for more announcements about that. Okay, Rihanna, Ooh. should we pick some action figures? Because we desperately need a friend and a hand to hold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Okay. 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 Oh my. <laughs> Rihanna, who do you have along the way to help you? I have uh, season one Nog. He's <laughs> tiny and you can't move him. <laughs> He's just like Alexander. They were like an attached pack. <laughs> so they can't move because apparently children can't allow, aren't allowed their autonomy. <laughs> no, they um, have no joints. Cute, so. No joints. Yeah. yeah. I don't Actually, know how much, I don't know if he'll be able to help in this case, but I have Q. So I think we will make up for it. Okay, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> I guess he was on Voyager, so he's ready for this journey. Yeah, and last little anecdote before we get started. Yesterday we were on, when we were recording with um, Random Red Shirt, the topic of Q got brought up because we're talking about Random Red Shirts and how he <laughs> killed like 12 people casually in Q-Who. And then I think it was Zach from <laughs> Zach from Random Red Shirts. He was like, yeah, like what's going on with Q? He's obsessed with Picard. And then he like jumps to to Janeway and then he's like obsessed with her and can't leave her alone. Like what? why is he obsessed with Janeway and Picard? And Rihanna like locked <laughs> eyes with me <laughs> over the Zoom. <laughs> Yeah, and I knew exactly that moment what we were both thinking. <laughs> and if you haven't heard my various ramblings, what we're thinking is that I'm Q because I'm obsessed with Picard and Janeway. And I just made this whole announcement at the beginning of the episode, like, I'm now transitioning from Picard as my favorite to Janeway as my favorite. And so it's like staring me in the face, like, I guess I'm <laughs> Q. Like, okay. <laughs> so it's really clandestine that you chose him today, Ashley. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe go. there is a god after all, and his, his name is Q. <laughs> okay, so Ashlyn, as we are talking about Voyager, I want to ask you a question about the series and the holodecks. So, which is our question of the week, of course. 
Which of these holodeck episodes do you consider to be the quote-unquote ultimate holodeck episode? Okay, I feel like this is... Here we go. The question to... <laughs> it's going to plague me my whole the life. question to end all questions. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. There's so many holodeck episodes to choose from, and Voyager is stuck, obviously, in the Delta Quadrant. They're on this ship 24-7. Like, they can never leave for years. Like, they don't even really take that much short leave, or if they do, it's on the holodeck. So... Mm-hmm. Voyager, like, the whole crew would have gone crazy without the holodeck. So, of course, there's so many iconic episodes. For me, it has to be Bride of Chaotica. Because we've had this buildup of Captain Proton and Tom and Harry's adventures. Like, various adventures throughout the holodeck. Sometimes we just get, like, flashes of scenes of them on the holodeck. So we know kind of what Captain Proton is all about. But then in Bride of Chaotica, when Janeway has to join and become the queen of the spider people, <laughs> I, I just, I love it. It's iconic. And it's it's like getting to see Picard, like, let his hair down. You know, it's, it's something yeah. that's so fun to see this other side of Janeway. And then also have her be in this program that we've learned to love with Harry and Tom. It's just a wonderful homecoming. So, and I just love Janeway in the dress too. So also that. Yes. Yeah. Rihanna, what about you? Well, you definitely stole my answer. Okay. Um, Bride, Bride of Chaotica would would also be one of the ones I consider ultimate holodeck. But for the sake of choosing another, I also am thinking about Da Vinci a lot and thinking how Lower Decks even brought up Da Vinci. You know, like they're hanging out with him later on. And Da Vinci was the one who, spoilers for Lower Decks season one, I guess, <laughs> who like made sure the evil Mariner in the holodeck didn't survive. You know, he's like, not on Da Vinci's watch. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like, it all came from Voyager and from this whole, like, Janeway's fascination with Da Vinci. So I love how many, like, Janeway has so many fingerprints on the rest of Star Trek after her her reign, essentially. <laughs> her reign is, like, be just like a Janeway questionable. <laughs> yeah. Well, not all well, love. Oh, yeah. As much as I love her, her I did. Gonna be interesting. I saw some interesting things go down in, in yeah. these episodes. Yeah, which Ashlyn... Will you tell us what episodes we are watching today? Okay, so I'm very worried about losing listeners halfway through. So I'm not going to tell you right away (laughs) what all the episodes are. But I will tell you that now instead of having categories per episodes, we have subsections of the categories. So we are going to be starting with a study in holograms and then going on to holodeck excursions and ending the episode with photonic friends. So, Rihanna, if we're ready to go, should we start with the study in holograms? Let's do it. Okay, so so now we will start with the first program, a study in holograms, starting with chapter one, What's Real, where we watch the episodes Projections, Living Witness, In the Flesh, Renaissance Man, and The Killing Game. And then chapter two will be Hologram Rights with Flesh and Blood, Nothing Human, and Author Author. Pretty manageable, right? <laughs> yeah, bite-sized pieces, y'all. Yeah. This is what we're going for. <laughs> so, Ashlyn, let's talk about our first section, what's real, or first chapter, what's real, which, uh, <laughs> you know, there's actually quite a lot. This is literally taking a, you know, page out of TNG's book with these holodeck, like, inception holodeck things that we saw with Moriarty and... 
we see this again in projections with the doctor and this crazy reality that he thinks he's in. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Rihanna, for that intro. I also just wanted to talk a little bit about the continuity of the holodeck we've seen so far, because of course, last week with Deep Space Nine, we talked about the hollow suites and how that is mostly used for like patrons coming in and out. Like I was talking about in answering your question, Rihanna, (laughs) the crew needs these holodecks so badly to function because it's like the only way they can wind down sometimes or learn or study something. And so... I am really impressed, honestly, with how widely the holodecks are used in the plots, like all these different ways um, the holodeck is used, and also how much better the writers have gotten at slipping in like holodeck time into episodes without it being a whole big deal like Picard's calling a conference and he's like guys everybody go run to the holodeck you know we're never gonna let Picard live that down no it's too weird and hilarious no yeah yeah, I can never like unsee that moment (laughs) (laughs) so cute but I mean Janeway does have meetings sometimes about the holodeck but it's not like look how cool it is you know yeah anyway um So I just, I thought the stories just got much stronger with a lot of these holodeck episodes and most, uh, yeah, so just in general, like, nice job, Voyager. This this was a really impressive transition. Yeah, I agree. I think though we've seen some of the tropes that we've seen in holodeck and holosuites episodes in the previous Trek, it doesn't really get in the way of it because, yeah, like you said, the writing is really fresh. And though we talked about Voyager having some, like, miss episodes, I feel like in this hologram or in this holodeck watch list we put together with the help of john smith (laughs) underscore md from reddit um it's really all of these episodes are so fun and interesting and i was finding myself being really like emotionally moved by it and connecting with either the holodeck characters or holograms or whether it be like the people interacting with their, their environment so yeah like even though projections is sort of a frame of mind deal or I could name a couple others you Mm -hmm. know yeah uh I still think that it's really interesting to see the doctor go through this and to see the way that he handles it absolutely agree Rihanna I also think that now let's see this is think of math uh this is probably like five years question mark after TNG ended and I mean, just think about it in our society, how quickly we adapt to new and evolving technology. I can imagine that is only faster in the future because there's so much technology. You have to always be like, oh, what was the last Apple update? You know, because I I will be (laughs) like a week behind the rest of the world if I don't catch up. So I think that like the use of holograms in their society has become more regular and it's not just like oh it's only because i was on a galaxy class starship that i got to use a holodeck like how cool none of these are on earth like i'm imagining they're very widespread at this point and so yeah. the crew has a lot of inventive ways of using it and i also this was it was kind of reminding me honestly of like a video game because that's mm. like people choose to like spend their free time on it like usually trying to like go through a story or sometimes they're trying to relax but a lot of what we see is like the characters like going through by chapter one two three four five um totally and it's very similar to a video game and so i think not only are people like 
obsessed with the holodecks. I think at some point, like the novelty is kind of worn off now. And so it's like people are more segregated into, I always use the holodeck. It's my go-to free time, like so many people have with video games. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are also people who are like, oh, I don't need the holodeck. I'm like, I like to read, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I, I'm oh very God, like so anti-holodeck. And the technology has to be out for a little while for those like types of people to form. Because I love this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I was just thinking about like who is our hologram characters or who are the characters who love the holodeck and it's Tom and Harry, you know, or like the experts and everyone else is kind of open to it. And uh, but I feel like they are like the but two. Then, yeah, yeah. But then we have on the opposite side, like people like Tuvok, which, you know, wouldn't make sense because in seven don't find it logical to spend <laughs> time there. But even um, Janeway is not like super interested and we'll see her struggle with this, you know, sort of back and forth. But everyone can find something that they love, I think, in there, or something that helps them. I'm thinking about even Kira, like, meditating using the holodeck or the holosuite, you know. And, you know, I, I can imagine people who don't even love it could find use out of it. Like, oh, I just need to go on a walk that's not <laughs> on this godforsaken ship that I'm, you know, we're in the... I love my family, but I just need to go on a walk. <laughs> like quarantine vibes so i think that's like (laughs) honestly really yeah i think that's really well done here to show both i love your point thank you yeah these are the things i brought up in my dream podcast last night that we did so i wanted to make sure i literally (laughs) making your dreams come true (laughs) look at her manifesting before your eyes i know look at your ears i guess (laughs) look at us go Yeah, no, I, I just, I, I had to, like, make that clear, because otherwise I'm going to repeat myself in every single episode we watch. Yeah. So, in an effort to not. Now let's actually talk about projections. So, th- I think this is a good, confusing episode, because I assumed at the beginning that, okay, the doctor is actually the doctor. He's the EMH that we know. He's not Dr. Zimmerman. And pr- almost halfway through the episode, I began to change, and I almost... I was fully believing that actually this was Dr. Zimmerman and he was just like chilling with Barkley <laughs> until Chakotay came on board and was like, doctor, this is what's going on. You're stuck on the holodeck. Like, yeah, we're trying to get you out. We're trying to get you out. We haven't forgot about you. And then the doctor has to decide for himself what's real. And for me, like once Chakotay was there and acting normally, I was like, okay, this is, <laughs> I think this has got to be what's happening. Yeah. They are so good at throwing us off even you know after all these years of writing star trek and writing these sort of like mind-bending illusion episodes i definitely think though that our series was like a spoiler in and of itself if i didn't remember the episode i'm like well it's a holodeck series and we're watching it for the pod so therefore it's not real (laughs) um but it's still interesting you know to to think that oh my gosh like the doctor can be influenced in this way and like radiation caused this you know like he can be affected it's just this very different than like you know him needing to go to sick bay or something instead he goes into this crazy like feedback loop of a i don't know projection of his mind or something yeah something like that (laughs) Um, yeah it's interesting because he gets like reset to the pilot yeah, yeah, like he gets like reset to the pilot, and it's it's very confusing. So it, I I think it's a good um, growing episode for the Doctor too. This is only season two, and he's like slowly getting more freedom and having more like access to the rest of the ship. It's interesting to watch him use his mind to get out of the situation because it's not what it seems. Oh, absolutely. 
I thought that Barclay's appearance was really amazing and wild and unexpected, especially because this is, like you said, early on, and we're not expecting any to see any sort of Alpha Quadrant stuff until way later. So that was an interesting add-on. I really like that they're trying to do as much as they can to convince you just as much as the like radiation poisoning is doing to the doctor, you know, like it is really stepping into that, um, the emotions of it all. And yeah, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's perfect that Barkley's here because of course he was the holodeck guy in TNG. Totally. So we have yeah. holodeck hall of famers coming back to guest star again in like different episodes <laughs> of the pod. So congratulations Barkley for your uh, hall of fame status that you will gain throughout the show. <laughs> Truly, like, cross-pot and cross-episode discussion about Barkley. So, so wild, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's let's go on to uh, Living Witness. This is a wonderful episode that all of you were sleeping on. I can guarantee yeah. you don't remember it. <laughs> but Living Witness is essentially, the show starts and we see, like, almost mirror versions of the Voyager crew, and I'm sweating looking at Mirror Janeway, like, oh lord. Yeah. Like, of course, the it's... Gloves. The gloves. Yeah, the gloves, and like, no pips. It was so sketchy and mm-hmm. amazing. It's not Mirror Janeway. It is a museum's recreation of what they thought the Voyager crew was like. The holographic projection shows Janeway, like, murdering a prisoner, and everybody just, like, acting completely wrong, like they're a bunch of savages, and... We zoom out we and we see, okay, this is a museum. They have a holodeck or like some sort of simulation. And it is 700 years past the events of that took place on Voyager. So this is almost as far as Discovery. Ah. Yeah, I know. Like what what's going on in the temporal worlds on Earth, which I know won't affect the Delta Quadrant. But anyway, I'm so stressed. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. A, a piece of the doctor was found in the wreckage. It was like a backup copy of himself. This uh, the historian who runs the museum, he brings the doctor online and the doctor sets the record straight. But, I mean, it turns into a race war, <laughs> which is yeah. like, this is why these hologram episodes are crazy. Like, it's a literal, yes. like, revolution is started because the facts that the doctor is unearthing when he's telling the truth are so dividing in the society because it's, um, you know, one race is has more rights than the other one and there's so much and tension getting them yeah 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 and it, it's wild to watch because the doctor is yeah truly just telling the truth and insisting that no we didn't cause the demise of, of your civilization cause this huge like accident to occur and yeah that's what caused all these years of conflict and they just blamed really it on loved... voyager yeah yeah exactly they needed someone to blame you know and um I really like that like this historian guy and to see his sort of arc in this episode and to see him work with the doctor and go through a literal war with him and to think that like this isn't just like some universe that or this alternate future that didn't happen like this is truly just like what is going to happen (laughs) um and it's just so fascinating to see this and also I think I feel the indignancy that the doctor does you know I'm over here like no Voyager isn't like this like you're getting all of these details wrong like the simulations are so cool you know and I love that they that museums can have this kind of technology because I've been a lot of really cool museums that even have like immersive stuff like that but obviously having a holodeck in your museum is like the ultimate way to 
have someone feel like they're in that past again and experiencing history. But if it's incorrect, then that's when it starts to get really dicey. That's what I was going to bring up as my biggest point on that. It's like what happened with Riker and his like alleged sexual assault allegation and whatever episode that was in TNG, uh, where they're Uh, recreating. Matter of perspective. Nice. Nice. Wow. Um, Is Giraffe here? Like, that was amazing. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Giraffe. Um, (laughs) Yes, in Matter of Perspective, because it portrayed Riker in a really, like, the holodeck portrayed Riker in a really compromising position. Mm -hmm. And everyone is more keen to believe it because it looks so real. And this is the same problem with having history or alleged history or guest history which honestly how can we really know what happened 700 years ago yeah we can't and so we're going to get things some some holographic doctor yeah yeah like we're going to get things wrong that's almost a certainty i had a really amazing humanities teacher in college dr homan shout out to dr homan and he used to talk about what if like society collapsed and all that was left was like a quarter and you look at it, and it, or like in America, you know, and they're looking at it in the future and they're like, oh my gosh, like in God we trust. So that means this must have been like a deeply religious society. It's on their money. Like that's crazy. Or like, wow, they worship George Washington or whoever this dude is <laughs> on the head. Um, yeah. Like, is this God, you know? Yeah. Like there's so many wrong guesses that people mm-hmm. will make just off, based off of one thing. Even if it's like a bowl, like you don't know it's a bowl to eat out of. It could be for like a, you know, like a... a I was gonna say like celebration, <laughs> Rihanna. That was oh, like what a, a bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, could be to pee in. You know, like we don't. Yeah. We don't know. So I think it's it's dangerous to have these type of simulations, but also a great way to remind everyone that the people that you're talking about in history were real and they had problems and worries and they had hair and they're like almost the same as us. So I think in that way, it's unbelievably helpful and like thought provoking to have these kinds of simulations. So there's problems with everything. (laughs) Totally. I mean, there's so much that you can get wrong. And thank you for saying that, Ashlyn. I think that the doctor getting to shed light on this is ultimately the best thing that could have happened, but it just comes at far too late and far too great of, you know, cost for people's lives. And it's really hard to see, you know, thinking about the times we're living in. And I, I don't know, I just think that the doctor handles it fairly well considering <laughs> the circumstances. Yeah, I think it's great that he completely loses interest in trying to clear Voyager's name once he yeah. sees how much his information is affecting society. And he says that he's like, you should just lie and tell them that I'm like guilty, like whatever, you know, I don't, I don't want this to cause like violence in -hmm. your society, but it doesn't matter. Like it's out of the doctor's control at that point. And he's also then ready to like yeet himself. Basically. He's like, just destroy me or send me off. He said, yeah, like decomposite my, my program. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I absolutely love the end of this episode because the guy who's working, the museum guy, he and the doctor end up staying and they try to fix the situation and they have the doctor like come and explain everything about Voyager and they're able to come to a peace and Mm -hmm. And then it zooms out, and that's actually a simulation 
of another, like several hundred years in the future, and then this lady saying, and that's how we like gain <laughs> steps towards peace. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, I, I just love this because, and this is actually the start of me like really liking the doctor, which has never happened in my life. Yeah. Like this run through watching all the holodeck episodes has really made me appreciate and uh, Robert Ricardo especially, but also mm-hmm. like really I understand the doctor a lot more because what he does, what he I mean, that's just Starfleet values, you know? Totally. Um, He's doing the hard thing. Showing his own growth and evolution as, like, you know, he was, like, the way that he could grow out through his programming. It reminds me of Data, you know, like, expand and become more than what was made of you or what more than what you were made to be, you know? Yeah, and I'm going to say this now. I'll probably say it again later, but... Uh, Data is a perfect example of someone to compare him with from TNG. It's this, he's not quite the Spock, like emotionless character, absolutely not, but Mm -hmm. he is a character who is trying to find his humanity. It's crazy. We're just, you know, we're going to keep talking about how the doctor evolves. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. I think let's talk about In the Flesh, another crazy episode. Like, seriously, like these are all winners (laughs) that we've talked about, like, amazing episodes so far. Yeah, in the flesh is <laughs> talk about. I mean, this is why our category or chapter is called "What's Real" because I am so confused. I remember even as a I don't know high schooler watching Voyager, being extremely confused seeing Boothby back <laughs> after all these years. I was like, "That's Boothby, right? Right? Well, like the groundskeeper." Yeah, and <laughs> Chakotay is at yeah. Starfleet Academy taking pictures. So at first, I was like, "Is this a?" like a flashback to like when he used to go to school here and then why does he have this like weird camera like why does he look sus and then I was thinking maybe it's changeling and he's and it is actually San Francisco and we're gonna have some weird like changeling tie in her (laughs) like I don't know (laughs) yeah it's absolutely insane because it turns out to be species 8472 who uh, were nearly destroyed by the Borg slash uh, Voyager. Slash Voyager. Slash Janeway. Um, <laughs> yeah, Janeway. And they are trying to infiltrate the Federation, and so they create this massive, huge simulation, which is not the last we're going to see, mind you. Like, this is very common. Delta Quadrant place places have a lot of, like, comms arrays or, like, stations that can just be turned into entire holodecks and entire like simulation training programs and so yeah Chakotay and Tuvok infiltrate this mass simulation and see you know what is going on why does this have a Starfleet signature and Chakotay like schmoozes his way into talking to this woman at the bar or whatever it's it's so weird to see like a comfortable environment you know and something you know shouldn't be there you're like this doesn't belong why are we why are they back at starfleet like what's going on and i did not for one second think it was species 8472 frankly (laughs) no absolutely they'd never crossed my mind I really admire uh, 8472 for their technology because this would have been absolutely devastating. Like, this would have been worse than Conspiracy in TNG. This would have been worse even than the Changelings taking over because they could just so easily, like, fit themselves literally into, like, human bodies. 
absolutely yeah and being terrifying society yeah mind you. and yeah. they have they're taking this time to get to know human culture and pretend to be us to blend in they're just like starfleet cultures and it just shows you how absolutely terrified they are of earth and of the federation because they go to such extents to protect themselves and launch a counter-strike against them <laughs> oh my god it's wild when janeway says like i believe that voyager is the only thing standing in the way of species 8472 and like them infiltrating the federation and she's absolutely right <laughs> she is the only thing that stands in the way <laughs> yeah. the thing that was also shocking to me so many shocking things about this episode but i did not remember this and i did and the outcome of this episode really affects like the rest of the future with species 8472 i remember them as a very violent and terrifying species when they take harry and like hurt him and just their physical appearance is very frightening so i would have expected them to be a long-lasting villain that we're even gonna like fear like we do with the borg but actually they are just so terrified of the humans that she's able to have diplomatic relations with them and try to convince them that there's no attack please don't attack us and we're willing to negotiate with you and so boothby the guy who runs <laughs> this quarter of starfleet it, who's the 8472, he says he believes that the like hierarchy of their society will agree to not attack Earth. And, you know, obviously, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. We haven't seen them. Um, what an incredible like peace that was able to be brokered. I mean, we were just talking about the doctor doing that in Living Witness and getting people to sit down at that table is so hard. Like we, we've seen Jellico attempt it. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I don't know why I brought him up in this Voyager. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, a little annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that Janeway does it so masterfully and only because species 8472 has been studying earth culture and um not earth culture has been studying federation culture with the trainings and literally integrated pretty much into society i think they can understand a little more like okay i see from this perspective that janeway's telling the truth or that we can trust her and that like we won't they won't attack you you know like we we're not trying to start a war with you Never meant to start a war. Yeah, yeah. That was Janeway. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to let you in (laughs) to the academy after you pass the test. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then the last shocking thing, and then I'll stop using the word, is that this is the most shocking. Chakotay kisses an 8472 repeatedly. Like, yeah. Um, James T. Kirk who? <laughs> he likes her. I Like, they really hit it off, honestly. And he got to her through the books she was reading. She's been reading a lot of <laughs> Terran literature. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's wild. And even when he doesn't have to kiss her, like, she's kind of the aggressor. And she's mm-hmm. like, hey, I've never tried it. Like, in this form, it sounds fun. Uh, also, she's trying to kiss him because she wants to get his hair to make sure that he's actually human, as she suspects. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he is like, nope, 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 nope. And then after a couple seconds, he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And he he's goes, like, you know what, sure. They even have a goodbye kiss, too. So, yeah. like, Jacote is getting it. And I love that they made this connection. Like, what? that's another way to broker peace. <laughs> Barney Stinson would be proud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, 
just a really wonderful episode and one that completely shocked me. I only remembered Boothby and that was it. Like, I did from... <laughs> not even remember Boothby. So, yeah. I thought it was weird because Janeway talks about halfway through the episode that Boothby used to give her roses all the time, which is nice, mm-hmm. you know, a little interesting, but Fresh fine. Roses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <A> ruby red. <laughs> um, but at the end of the episode, he gives her another rose. And I, I mean, it's supposed to be nice, but I just thought it was weird for him to like take on a trait of like a body he's inhabiting. Mm. I mean, I think it was like his version of like, olive branch you know Mm. okay i like that i like that Hmm. okay wow okay we're doing well i think we're doing well um (laughs) great let's talk about renaissance man this is in season seven and this is shockingly the penultimate episode (laughs) (laughs) are you shocked i was before (laughs) the finale i i promise i'd stop using shocked but maybe it's the word of the hour because i i was actually thinking a lot about turnabout intruder um, in this one, oh. which of course is the finale of the original series that does not <laughs> seem like a finale. Like, no one hugs anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no goodbyes. And this one also had, like, some body swapping <laughs> going on. <laughs> so we're going to bring this up later in Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. But this is when we first meet these aliens. They look like the, they look like the same ones that are on Doctor Who. But I'm just plowing yeah. on. They remember how useful the Doctor was in trying to infiltrate Voyager and so basically they say, like, give us your warp core, like, find some way to give it to us, or we'll kill your captain. And so they, they keep Janeway as a hostage while he goes aboard Voyager, and he is using his hollow emitter and the ship's program to look like Janeway, or look like Chakotay, or look like Bolana or whoever he needs to, to make sure that the warp core is <laughs> transferred to these aliens so he can save Janeway. And it's annoying because he, like, of all the progress that he's made, this is the penultimate episode, he still yeah. goes against Janeway's orders. and Because she's saying, don't, by any means at all, never give the warp core over. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Like, I'd rather die. And I actually agree with her completely. Totally. Because, totally. like, they could still get home without Janeway. It would be sad, but they mm-hmm. need their damn warp core. Yes, yeah, so that was really annoying, but he, it's fine, I guess, to see him, like, pretend to be all these characters. We have it in the what is real section because Janeway does start to act questioningly, and I was even watching this, my husband was standing close by, and he's like, that doesn't sound like Janeway, and I'm like, ding, 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 I don't think yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. In the end, um, I did think the ending was really sweet because um, the doctor ha- is expressing his need or i'm sorry i'm projecting um (laughs) the doctor is expressing his desire to hang out with janeway more one-on-one and socialize with her and they're trapped in the cell together at some point at the end of the episode and she's like why are we talking about this right now like let's have a conversation later and she's like and besides i don't really socialize that much with the crew and um he points out well you do go to dinners with you do have dinner with chakotay and she goes uh and then, and, and then the doctor says, and you, like, hang out with Seven, and she's like, well, we'll talk about it later. And so I, like, screamed, number one. And then at the end of the program, or at the end of the episode, when everything is, of course, resolved, because Janeway saved them, and the doctor helped a little. Oh, and the doctor thought he was going to die. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the part yeah. I watched. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And he's like giving all these confessions. He's like, by the way, Seven, I'm in love with you. And Harry, you have like a terrible sound on the so clarinet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was mean for me to say. So he like has all these like regrets that he says to everyone before he dies. And he doesn't actually die. He's hiding in sickbay for like six days. And Janeway comes in and she says, hey, let's go to the holodeck. Let's like hang out together. Um, let's socialize a bit more like you said you wanted to. And um, there's two rules to coming on the holodeck with the captain. One, your rank leaves at the door. And two, no opera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Janeway. Oh, Janeway. My she heart broke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She said, she said, I'm sick of this doctor singing opera at random parts yeah. and random things. Yeah, it's, I think the, on, like, the only thing is interesting is that like the doctor can truly become anyone if he wants and it's wild that this is the only time that we see it happen you know yes totally agree with you there and it's it's interesting too because harry can see like there is a way to see that two holographic images are stacked on top of each other in the computer Uh so i think they would have been able to figure it out if this had happened before but i thought it was i thought it was interesting that they're like all right save the most common hologram thing Till the end, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I think yeah. let's end this section with a killing game, which is a great Herogen episode. And, you know, we need a Nazi episode every couple series. So this yeah. is the Voyager Nazi episode as well. Totally. And it's a elaborate, really, two-parter that begins with, like, uh, essentially Janeway on the holodeck dressed as or like sort of genetically altered or like holodeck altered to be a Klingon and she is being hunted by these Herogen and you know fighting and everything and then we see that she's rushed to sick bay to be cured or to be like healed by the doctor and then sent back in the holodecks to be hunted again and we learn that this has been happening for three weeks and seeing that like you know the people who aren't in the holodecks are being like physically abused and like tortured poor harry kim is like suffering just trying to keep these holodecks running but also trying to help take back the ship this is why it's in the what is real section because the herogen use a like implant essentially to make them think that they're holod like they're in their holodeck simulation and they are the characters and so they essentially become the holograms that they can hunt because they don't want to hunt just like basic holograms. They want to hunt humans or they want to hunt like organics in the holodeck and they use Voyager to do it. Yes, and all of this is because the Herogen leader, and we did talk about him in Villains, so for like a stronger breakdown, definitely check out that episode of the pod. But essentially, he is trying to evolve his species further. So the hunt is more interesting, A, and also so they have, like, sustainable prey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Basically, like, they're able to have a more controlled area in which they can hunt. Like, use it more as sport than, like, actually bloodiness. Yeah, and to also, you know, kind of take down the death toll that the Herosian have littered across the galaxy like it's or across the quadrant you know i mean we've seen hints of them before but this is really the the time in which they are showing their cruelty to the voyager crew so clearly you know by creating these elaborate things and making them forget who they are you know and sort of just yeah using them for sport and yeah it was just 
shocking to see what they were doing to use the holodeck. And I think what made it worse was the fact that they were using their own programs against them. You know, like, it was someone's Klingon program that then they used for to try to, like, kill and hunt these their own crew members. And, yeah, it's just, it's such an intriguing episode, though. And I love, love this two-parter so much. Me too. I think it's really well done. I do think, like, they're wasn't time obviously for the Herogen to create programs of their own so that what that's what totally. makes this episode like that much sweeter is that it's literally like Starfleet's technology against them after Janeway gets slashed as a Klingon and she's repaired by the doctor she sent to a new program because the guy who's in charge of all the holograms is like shift her over I have a, like a better idea for her so she's transferred to the World War II program where they're in France I don't think they're in Paris mm-hmm. I think they're in like a small town yeah Marseille small. or something no, it's it's um it's smaller. I can't remember its name, but yeah. Yeah. Janeway, of course, is the head of a like resistance <laughs> squad. Of course. That's yeah. going on and they're waiting until the Americans arrive because it's the very end of the war and they know that the Americans are coming soon to liberate them. But a little detail I noticed that I thought was so cool is that when Janeway first appears, she's, of course, wearing this, like, amazing white tux, first of all. Yeah. Wow, her outfits in this episode are absolutely unmatched. Like, costume designer win an Emmy. I hope they did. Please, Um, yeah. Also, when she first appears, she sees the Herogen coming into the bar to, like, check up on her. And she touches her stomach at, like, the place where she was slashed as a Klingon. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was crazy because it shows you how... Even though she doesn't technically remember who she is, she has something in the back of her mind that's like this, I, I have, you know, hairs in the back of my neck, like this is dangerous, you know. So I thought that was a great little wow. moment for Janeway. Great catch. Wow, I did not know this, that at all. I'm watching her way too closely, so. <laughs> no, it's awesome. She is so incredible in all these episodes. And particularly in this one, I think that Mulgrew and, like, like Mulgrew shines so much in this just her like really taking on this role obviously they have to play you know their characters playing a holodeck character so it's this really intrinsic incredible like complicated complicated way to act and so it's really fun to watch all of them i don't even know if it's necessarily she's playing Janeway who's playing on the holodeck. I think it's literally like she's playing Janeway in an alternate universe. It's like every fanfic's yeah. like glorious dream. It's like AU, dream, but yeah. they're in high school in the 20s, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the same thing. It's like AU, but like they're living in World War II France. Yeah. Which is even harder, I think. Like how, really? how could you even like start to think about what has that character been through if she were Janeway in this time period? It's crazy. So yeah, hats off totally. to this cast. Yeah, and to watch them evade the like Nazi herogens, you know, throughout this ep- throughout the this two parter, and to start to slowly gain control of the ship is so electric. Like I love watching every single moment of this because, especially with. Um, like Seven finally gets her memory back because that's when the tides really turn because Seven is such a linchpin and like every scenario she can really just help you out. But of course it's arousing suspicion in Tuvok who thinks that she's like, with you know, actually a Nazi spy or something. But it's so wonderful to see like her transition from being this like, you know, singer who has lo- like a love for 
violence (laughs) turn it back to seven and then have to sort of play the role of okay now i am (laughs) pretending to be this like french woman (laughs) about to liberate this small france town instead of this ship (laughs) i can't sing today (laughs) yeah i will not (laughs) that was so good yeah, and I also want to make a quick mention that the Rojan were looking through the programs and also looking through, like, looking through, like, Tarrant, not Tarrant, looking through, like, Federation history and stuff, and they were like, look for other battles. And they are like, oh, let's do Wolf 359, <laughs> essentially. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was the one that was coming after the Nazi one, yeah. I would have been shaken. Thank God they got out of there first. Like, yeah. can you imagine seeing the cutest, <laughs> like... No, <laughs> I would just take from Angie. Like I, I, I would have died. I wish that that scene was like on the cutting room floor, and we could watch a deleted scene of them doing <laughs> Wolf Three Five Nine and Jane Wayne's Lacutus. Oh. oh Lord, yeah. So I also have to mention some very important hologram things that occur. Um, Chakotay comes as he's like the leader of the Americans. Janeway at that point. She does have her memory back, thanks to Seven, mm-hmm. because Seven is, like, spreading the the, the gene. <laughs> the, the nanobot virus or whatever. Yeah. Know, whatever to... deactivates. Oh, and the doctor helped deactivate Janeway, because once she's conscious, you're good to go. Again, yeah, you only need Janeway to figure out any situation. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Seven's a huge help. Um, and so, basically, Janeway has to convince, or Janeway... tells everybody okay i'm gonna go like go through these caves basically like through the rest of the ship and try to disable something she's gonna just go crawl through the ship to find the answer and to fix what's going on so they can regain control of the holodecks and shut down the power and so chakotay does not let her go alone and he does not have his memory so he thinks he's like an american soldier and he is high key like flirting with her like the entire Mm -hmm. time they're together so i i would be like so remiss if i did not point that out that even when he doesn't have his memory he's like gunning for her also great part of this episode is when everybody gets guns and they're running around firing on the herogens i just and saying like oh it's a secret ship like it's a secret uh tunnels in this vessel you know like they they're it's not a ship but they're like don't worry it's just a nazi base <laughs> because they're like wondering why you know these they think they're still holograms or they, they think they're still their characters a lot of the bridge crew do yeah exactly and it's just it like breaks my by little heart in half in happiness when i see everyone running around with guns and yes. wow they just all look great so very they look so amazing Yes. And I also want to mention it's interesting to watch like Paris and Bellana, Paris and Bellana interact, you know, like before and after they're both, their chips are dis- deactivated and stuff. But Paris, while his chip is still in, he's like low-key racist to Kim. And it was just like so hard to watch, you know, because you're like, all right, this like 1940s American soldier <laughs> mindset is like to his best friend saying like, oh, like, where are you really from? That kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this is just so uncomfortable. But also I think a really interesting like choice for the writers, you know, maybe not the best choice, but it definitely was showing like. They yeah, had, they had to do soldier. it. It's yeah. World War Two, And the focus of that yeah. was exterminating yeah. a race of people. Like, yeah, they had to make that, you know, like they have to make us think that's, that's what Voyager does. Mm-hmm. But it did hurt yep. to see. Absolutely. It did. Oh, <sighs> I love I love Janeway like my girl but she's so amazing. At the end of this episode, she 
chooses to give them the holodeck technology because she believes so much in the leader of the Herogen. Um, she makes a pact with him, like, hey, stop using us <laughs> as, <Yeah. laughs> as like, toys. Like, stop this. We have to live, and please let us mm-hmm. move on. Get out of my ship. So I'll give you this holodeck technology so you can just hunt holograms instead and not actual people. And he wants that, that he's trying to further his race, like I mentioned before. And unfortunately, he's killed. And this is when Janeway's, like, not in contact with the leader, so... She doesn't find out until the end when finally, like, the power is shut down to the holodecks and everyone has their memory restored. She still gives the holographic technology to the second command Herogen, who's now taken over. And at the time, I I was, like, on board with her because she is trying to support the idea of let's bring this race into the future and like let's like try to lessen some bloodshed if possible. But I think she let that positive I'm helping out everyone I meet like Starfleet mindset sort of take away from the fact that she's also giving them like powerful technology that can really shape a society. Absolutely. So I love her, but I think, I didn't, again, I didn't realize it at the time, but now when we're moving on to Flesh and Blood, that is on the forefront of my mind. And the way that she handles Flesh and Blood, I think is actually not great because um, she is, does not take responsibility for giving them the technology until the very end of the episode when all this like terrible stuff has happened. Before we like completely dive in, Brianna, let's go ahead and move on to the hologram rights section of the episode, which continues uh, the episode Flesh and Blood. This also is a movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, literal movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 84 minutes long. (laughs) It's it's long. Like, a lot of kids' movies are that long. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for warning me, Ashlyn. Like, I did not know going in. And I think I was, like, about to watch it that day. And Ashlyn called and was like, just so you know, it's a movie. (laughs) And I was, like, looking at the timestamps. And I was like, what the hell? So crazy. Yeah, definitely two-parter essentially, but it was wonderful. Like I thought that it brought up a lot of interesting points and I completely agree with you. I think Janeway made a lot of uh, bad decisions and I think that the doctor made a lot of bad decisions and Bolana a few and the holograms (laughs) a few and the Herogen a few, you know, like everyone is sort of to blame for this mess that they all got in and it definitely starts you know with them the herogen getting an engineer who upgrades the holograms to become like be programmed to better themselves and to evolve and to adapt and you know as i was watching even the end of the killing game i was like it's so problematic that they want to hunt holograms but it's a stopgap measure you know to get out of this like hostage situation but it just has now been taken too far, obviously. And the holograms are, you know, very aware of what is going on. And one Eden has like escaped like a facility and ended up in, and has liberated multiple facilities. And it's like this whole mess because these holograms are being slaughtered daily. Like sometimes this this alpha was like loved killing Eden and he kept doing it, you know, over and over. And 
also, I just want to mention too that the Herogen like made them bleed, you know, and made the hol- like program the holograms to bleed and programmed them to feel pain, and so like to make the hunt more like realistic for them. And it's just like makes me think like why didn't Janeway think of any of this? Like of course they're gonna utilize that, and I think it is a show of her maybe sort of too casual attitudes towards hologram rights, and it's something that the Doctor does you know, com- complain a lot about. Yeah, I'll, again, I think you already said it, though. It's also that she was trying to get her crew out of a hostage situation. Yeah. It's totally that stopgap measure. The, yeah. the thing also is that she didn't have to. Like, she made that agreement with the old dead leader. And so she gave this technology as a, like, we will help you, you know? So I think, I think actually you're right, Rihanna. It's because she didn't think that far out, like, oh, they're going to be murdering yeah. holograms mm-hmm. because she's like, oh, well, they're just holograms. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't matter that they're learning to evolve. It shouldn't have taken place, in, you know, at all. But this gets into the whole issue of like, should holodecks even exist? Because if holograms don't have rights, you know, like a lot of people use holode- holodecks for like, you know, like intimate relationships and stuff. And, you know, it just, it brings up a lot of questions of like holodeck characters, you know, does that Dixon Hill guy have rights? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then also like, if you think the solution is like Picard made with androids, only make them intelligent up to a certain point so they can't function is that bad because you're limiting what they could achieve with the right subroutines? Yeah. Especially now exactly. that the doctor already exists, someone who is clearly a valued member of the crew. And this is um, this is season seven, right? Flesh and blood. Yeah. Yeah, whole length. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah, this is season seven, episode nine slash 10, question mark. It's not really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so, wow, we've had a lot of like evolution with all these holograms and... I don't know what the answer is. There, I don't think there is an answer. Like, I, I'm also uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing. Because yeah. then, then you go back and you start thinking about, like, how many holograms have been, like, slaughtered. And how yeah. they are, like, essentially, like, just for entertainment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think. It just makes it just makes me uncomfy. Yeah, and I think there are some solutions that work, but only for the situations they're in. Like with Vic, you know, it works because he realized what it was to feel more alive, and then got all this like twenty four seven, you know, open holo open holo sweet time, and so that worked for him, you know. But it this is not working clearly for these holograms. They're no matter how they're designed, like, they shouldn't, think things shouldn't be made just to be slaughtered, you know, and this is the culture that the Herogen have created, and it's, it's truly how they view life in itself that needs to change, you know, because I think about Lower Decks, again, sorry, I'm referencing it a lot, but there's, like, that guy Cranch who hunted Boimler and then caught and released him, you know, this is, like, (laughs) we practice catch and release. Yeah. I was, like, this is the the exact solution and you also have to get like consent to be hunted you know and i'm like all right sign some forms some people may like to be hunted like there's got to be people out there i mean it's like Um, aggressive hide and seek you know (laughs) the most aggressive kind but you're not gonna die at the end and i don't know i just think that 
they're getting there, but it's so messy along the way and we're seeing that journey. Um, and this is so, so hard for the situation, especially because the doctor is pulled in these two different directions, trying to help his like organic crew members while also trying to help his hologram, uh, like help the other hologram members who are really seeing their entire existence as slavery and captivity and wanting to build a new life at, at first, you know, it, it, it builds up to that and then comes crashing down into a whole other disaster that I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. They do a great job of making the holograms really relatable and you are angry at seeing what they're going through and you feel mm -hmm. such pity for them. And it's just a great way of getting you to understand the other side, you know? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so, um, it's just, it's just so well-written. It's just Star Trek. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just classic Star Trek. Um, you have sympathy for them. So then when characters we love, like Janeway and, uh, the rest of the Voyager crew, and especially the Hirogen, cannot accept what is taking place because there is a rebellion and, um, the doctor chooses because once he's back on Voyager, um, he goes to negotiate with Janeway and say, hey, how about you um, give them, I think it was like, give them something to help power more holodecks or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Essentially, the doctor is saying like these holograms need more rights. They need um, a safe place to live away from being hunted by the Herogen. And Janeway is trying to make all these solutions like, okay, what if we just like, turn them off for a while and like get them to a safe place and then turn them back on. And he's like, no, that's like limiting their existence to just be, to just like turning, you know, like there's no say of when you'll turn them back on. And I'm thinking of Moriarty. I'm like, yes, exactly. Like that's not a good idea. And then another one is Janeway's like, well, why don't we delete their violent subroutines or something? I think they're having a briefing or something. And the doctor is saying like, that's as, as like that's just like declawing a cat you're not giving them a way to defend themselves you know and i think that this is such a good point he's bringing up exactly what you're saying earlier ashlyn and it all these solutions are not working they're not good enough and that's what's so hard about this whole debate and this whole issue is that none of this is good enough and so everyone needs rights and everyone needs their needs to be fulfilled you know in these certain ways yes exactly rihanna thank you um also like to add something extra the doctor was thrown into one of the hunting programs and so you do mm. see firsthand and so does the doctor what they experienced on a daily basis with everything with the erosion it does help the pathos uh, to the connection of the holograms i think also in addition to everything you're saying about like janeway and the concessions she's trying to make she also does have in the back of her mind i did give this technology and i don't want to give them more and yeah like i I agree with her, but again, like you got yourself into this situation, so how do you help? And she's just not, she's choosing not to give that help. And the doctor, like, is even the Bajoran dude, um, Ivan, I think is his name, he says, like, oh, you miss, you misrepresented your captain, doctor. You know, he's kind of trying to like gaslight him and make him feel guilty. Like, yeah. like, mm -hmm. wow, I thought, you know, I thought you said we could trust the organics, ha. Huh? And Ivan is a whole category. <laughs> In himself. Yeah. Aiden is like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he evolves into essentially a megalomaniac is how do the doctor describes him and like very egotistical to the point of like, 
I should be worshipped and I will create my new religion where I will be the messiah. And I'm like, oh no, he's turning into a gold ducat, Bajoran, mm -hmm. paw wraith. Literally. Um, cult. He actually tries to liberate. It, you know, this kind of reminds me of Khan a little. Like, and I hate to make this representation. I was Khan thinking was about not, Khan like, too. Really? Yeah. And the way that he is so obsessed with his cause that he will put his entire crew in danger in order to like think that like because he thinks his cause is just and so in Iden's case he goes to try to liberate these two holograms and they are literally just programmed to do basic functions like it seemingly is what's going on and they destroyed the ship with the organics in it and the Balana is saying like why would you do that like look at what you did like you did that all for nothing essentially these holograms like have no no sentience and even way it's it sure it's it's still bad like either way that these holograms were used in that way but it's still like his obsession driving him over the limit because they were almost to this planet you know that is gonna like they do make it eventually to this Y-class planet that's, you know, only inhabitable for holograms, essentially, which is a very smart idea. But they want to go there and then hunt, or essentially Aiden wants to go there, hunt and kill the Herogens in a, you know, act of vengeance and say, get a taste of their own medicine, that kind of thing. And I'm like, you've already done that with the places you've liberated, quote unquote, like by slaughtering the Herogens there. So... It shows more and more his ideals growing into obsession, growing into like destruction, you know, will be his downfall. Well, and he can't forgive the Herogen and it's the only, it's the only way he's ever lived his life is with hunting. Yeah. And so he thinks if I like violence with violence will solve the answer, just like it yeah. did for me. <laughs> I mean, it's made me think of uh, Jet from Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, like could not let go of that hatred of the Fire Nation and like, oof, <laughs> that did not turn out well for him. I was actually thinking about President Snow from Hunger Games. Wow, yeah. Look. Um, <laughs> or President Snow and um, who was the snail? What was the revolution lady's oh, name? She was so annoyed. Um, Rain, what was her name? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, but she, she at the end too, like, spoiler for Hunger Games, but or for catching, no, for blue, the blue one, <laughs> the last one. Mocking <laughs> yeah, Mockingjay. No. Um, but she, you know, like, takes, she, like, defeats the government. And the first thing she does is hold a Hunger Games with the children yeah. of the former leaders. Like, are you serious? serious. You dumb, yeah. you know what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, that's, yeah. and then, of course, she, that's her downfall. Yeah. yeah. It's always that last stupid mistake that, you know, they think that they're invincible, and this is what happens with Aiden. And yeah, he also says at one point that like all organics are hunters. And it's exactly what you're talking about earlier, Ashlyn, with that scope. He has this one perception of a tiny bit of information from the Herogen. And he hasn't met any other organic species, really, besides from the people who have holodecks and holograms that he wants to liberate. So it's essentially showing that like he is too hyper focused on the Herogen and not thinking about big picture like you will have people who can grant you asylum or who won't try to hunt you <laughs> not everyone is out to hunt you yeah exactly Rihanna I 
I'm still reeling about your reference to Khan because that's, <laughs> I yeah. think, spot on. Yeah. I also want to talk about, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, the Cardassian? The Cardassian lady. Um, so cool. She is awesome. I love that eventually it's not only the doctor that gets transferred over to this hologram ship, the former Herojin ship, but also Balana comes with him. And I think it's a good time to introduce Balana as a doctor to the doctor in some ways, because she is usually along for the ride when these holodeck episodes go crazy. Obviously, because she's the chief engineer and she has a good idea of how the doctor program, how the doctor's program runs. And so we're going to see her in the background and kind of like holding the doctor's hands in a lot of these episodes. And this is a great example of that because she is beamed aboard, like taken by the holograms. And Tom is like, we just got married. Like my wife yeah. <laughs> keeps going on these excursions <laughs> without me. <laughs> yeah. um, but so she's beamed over and she forms an unlikely friendship with this holographic Cardassian because she sees her, Bellana sees the Cardassian as the engineer of all like over all of the other holograms that are running around wild and she's a great quote she says to her it's warriors who get the glory but it's the engineers that build societies yes that was the best i thought that was just a great moment for torres and her character because this is what's battling with her 24 7 and this, this is the conclusion that she's come to after like years of figuring herself out is like you know what I society wants me to be a warrior and a Klingon but I'm an engineer so I'm fighting the norm and I I just love that she's able to talk to a Cardassian of all people about this who she hates because of being in the Maquis in this episode she's able to separate like the hologram going through a hard time and see through like her Cardassian skin in the next episode she can't see through it because she's um it's a Cardassian who is Famous for, like, torturing Bajorans during the occupation of Bajor. Just move on to this? Yeah, I think let's move on. He experimented on and created, like, cures for diseases because he was inflicting them upon the Bajoran people in his hospitals during the Cardassian occupation. Back in the Delta Quadrant, he's still alive, and he actually teaches at a university. And all records or like acknowledgements of what he did during the Cardassian war are not mentioned or during the during the occupation are not mentioned in the Starfleet database but it's common knowledge among the Bajorans who are not a part of Starfleet quite yet um so good point very mm -hmm. good point so they're not taking that information as legitimate I think they don't take this information as legitimate either in this episode really at first with the Bajoran who sees this hol- holographic Cardassian, this recreation, <clears throat> excuse me, this recreation of the scientist and person whom the doctor is starting to really admire and have an affinity towards because he's holographic as well. He's a doctor. They have similar minds. But the more you watch, the more you see this sort of grimness hidden beneath his actions. And, yeah, I wish that they had listened to this Bajoran crewman more because I think that, like, he's, like, he he murdered my family. Like, of course I know him. Yeah, he murdered his grandfather. Like, yeah. And he himself was, like, in the occupation. So, yeah, it's it's deeply disturbing. I, I will say that Balana, before she realized who this man was, 
just on the principle that he was a Cardassian, that was who the doctor had chosen to help cure her because we didn't mention that there's like a giant parasite attached to Valana in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, it like, it's a giant plastic alien that's like taking over her liver and using her organs because it's a parasitic species. And the doctor doesn't have, I guess, exobiology expertise written into his program. So instead of, and Jane Way suggests this, I just want to say, um, mm-hmm. Jane Way suggests, well, how about instead of you like taking days to read through everything with the program with the computer program, what if you just use an expert or like I think she just says like why don't you turn all of that information into a hologram form so you can interact with it and it can help you with the surgery. So again, yeah. well intentioned. She's trying to save her crew. Remember, in theory is great. Yeah. Yeah, and what no one could have predicted is that he chose like the most problematic person. And I think Tom has a bad look in this one because once this information comes to light that he is a horrible person, Tom says, well, I don't care if he's the like nastiest person in the world. Because I, I think maybe it, it was like presented on like a lighter scale, you know, um, but if he's going to heal Bolana, like we have to use him essentially. So yeah, Tom is yeah. obviously on team keep Bolana alive. And this sends mm-hmm. the whole ship into basically, I feel like everyone we see is like really affected by this. Um, like, do we save Bolana by using technology that was taken from, or that was used on Bajorans and killed, like, thousands of people? Like, do we cure her with that medicine, or do we let her die and delete this program? And this right. is a this is a hard moral quandary. I feel like this one is not talked about enough, but it's along the same lines as similitude, um, mm-hmm. like, as questionable and, like, hard to debate as Tuvix and... Um, yeah, I think this is a really interesting moral quandary in a wonderful episode. Yeah, and I think, too, I, like, the um, another important fact is that Bolana has refused treatment because of this Cardassian. She says, I will not be treated by him. I would rather die. And she says, hologram or not, he's a Cardassian, you know, when she, so, yeah, it's funny to see because at first I was thinking, oh, she just has prejudice from the Maquis, but... The prejudice happened to turn out to be correct, you know? It's Which, kind of like that's a, bold. What, is duet? Like, is that was yeah. it the episode that, that happened before? <laughs> yeah, like, it's really interesting because Star Trek will normally go the road of, oh, we're trying to convince you that this stereotype isn't true. But in this case, yeah. they're just like leaning into it. Yes. <laughs> like, uh huh, like this is like the worst Cardassian you could meet. Yeah. Besides yeah, Goldicott, well, the, besides the ones you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think, too, the doctor should have been looking for more signs, but this is his sort of blind side, you know, and and exactly his blind spot. And it's exactly what I was thinking about in, in the one we just discussed, Flesh and Blood, because he has this sympathy, this inherent sympathy towards holograms and to people with his similar plight, you know, and, and, and constraints. And so to have someone who is so kin to him is really important but it also blinds him to the facts because like he had this scary scalpel and he was like oh don't worry doctor it's just a hologram and i'm like you're a hologram the doctor's a hologram like all of you are it's still you're like not sedating this creature and practicing torture on it essentially to try to get it off balana so i'm like okay i know you're infatuated doc but you've got to look at the signs yeah, that's his problem. And this is always the doctor's problem. His ego just gets in the way. And 
he thinks, I have superior judgment because I relate to this hologram so much. But absolutely not true. Like, the doctor is still growing and figuring out his humanity and, and his ego does get less and less over time. He, as he learns to understand the crew more and not be so prickly. But in, this, in a lot of cases, it really leads him astray. In Flesh and Blood to uh, Aiden, asking him, like, every messiah needs a prophet or something like that. I don't know. And the doctor says... Like, sure, being acknowledged is one thing, but I, like, I don't want that. I don't want to be anyone's messiah. Yeah, so he does You know, that's good that he would not go that route. I was thinking the same thing. It shows that he does have a limit. That, okay, like, he has this ego, but he's kind of all talk. Like, underneath, he's as scared as the rest of us. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, you know, where a lot of ego comes from, is a cover-up to, you know, like try to invalidate true feelings of fear into something like projected wouldn't you know it's it's one way to cope but it's not the best way yeah absolutely so yeah it's interesting talking about nothing human and then when you think about flesh and blood how balana was able to overcome all of that prejudice to see through the amazing amazing engineer that existed in this holographic cardassian i just think it's a great comparison yeah yeah just to see balana's growth and how far she's come in two seasons yeah, and um, the doctor, like we were just saying. That's crazy. Exactly. And um, before we move on to the next one, I just also just want to wrap it up by saying that in general, in Flesh and Blood, I thought I've been waiting in Voyager for a holograms take over and like really like mess up the world. And this mm -hmm. was the episode I didn't know I needed because after watching TNG and seeing how much destruction Moriarty can cause, I was expecting that to go much worse in a lot of different scenarios and finally we get it <laughs> it gets much worse with flesh and blood and it really causes you to think and um same thing with nothing human the i mean i'm telling you these episodes for the hologram are some of the most controversial and just like mind-bending compared yeah. to other even like feminism, like some episodes that we've covered in different series, I think this is one of the most like thought provoking of everything we've seen yeah. so far. I'm total, in total agreement. And I think it's only going to get better from here because now we're talking about author, author, mm -hmm. you know, which is yet another debate about hologram rights. And I think probably one of the ultimate ones that begins the tipping point into something that maybe we can see later on and like later trek hopefully yeah um this one i've been waiting to say this this is another thing i wanted to say in my dream <laughs> yes, yes here we go manifest it <laughs> is that um i already kind of i hinted at it that data in season one gets a am i sentient trial and oh season two rihanna's holding up a little right? two in front of her head Oh, season two, Rihanna's always right. Yeah. How, how many times does she it's have to be right episode, before I realize she's always right? <laughs> I think, once again, Giraffe, like, entered her spirit yes. from Strange New Pod, who knows all the episodes, and she said, Rihanna, yeah. <laughs> it's season two. <laughs> it's season two. <laughs> so, thank you. thanks to both of them. Um, thank you, yeah. So, in season two of TNG, Data gets an Am I Sentient episode, and in season seven of Voyager, the doctor gets a Am I Sentient episode. This is very different. And I just want to applaud them for taking this route such a different way. Because I don't want to see Data. I know Data. Like, Data yeah. is like, 
Spock. <laughs> like, I know this archetype yeah. and I, I'm so used to it. But having a character who doesn't have rights, who has such an ego and has so much emotion is really mm-hmm. interesting to see. And I was surprised that it has taken them this long. Obviously, they weren't close to Starfleet yeah. <laughs> sooner. So maybe True. maybe this would have happened much faster if they were like a little bit closer in the Delta Quadrant than how far Agreed. they were. But I just thought that comparison is really interesting. And it's one of the many things that makes Voyager great is they just, they have a different way of handling things than TNG. Yes, Ashlyn, 100%. All, all those things you said are amazing. And I really liked the way they did it with the doctor creating this hollow program that essentially tells his story through this kind of altered lens of if the crew were harsher like let me make a point by hyperbole is kind of what i took it as um and taking things to extreme to use metaphors and stuff but i think you know it definitely was not finessed and it wasn't ready for publication and don't just send like completed drafts to people because they're going to use it. (laughs) And he did, you know, and it's a draft for a reason. Like this brings up some implications because first of all, we have on the doctor's side, him trying to prove the point of, I'm trying to push like for holographic rights and for hologram freedoms. And it's called photons be free for a reason, Mm -hmm. you know? And then we have the crew side where they see this depiction of them basically themselves as being horribly bigoted and out of character and just like, I don't know, it just even their like looks like Chakotay looks really different. He's a Bajoran and it's just like really hurts their feelings essentially. And I, I would feel the same, you know, like this is not truly how you think of us, is it? Like this, is this really how you feel and how like, are we truly oppressing you like this? And so it's really interesting to see sort of the like artistic license that the doctor thinks he can take on his own crewmen, you know, and can take on his story. And he uses the argument of like, oh, well, I'm writing what I know. It's just really interesting to see both sides of this debate. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Rihanna. Also, when we see the flip, it's that much more satisfying because the crew spent about half the episode worrying about their reputation and worrying about how they were going to come across. But then the minute the other shoe dropped and the doctor found out that his story had been reproduced and sent out to thousands of holodecks and suites around the, the community, you know, around mm-hmm. probably all of Starfleet or more, he finds out it's because holograms don't have rights. And so he has no rights to the story that he's trying to get um, known for. Um, yeah. And especially when Janeway is there and going to bat for him, it, it makes this episode just so wonderful because everyone suddenly, it doesn't matter that they their reputation is being tarnished because the doctor worked really hard on this program and he obviously should have rights. They've been living with him for seven years, <laughs> yeah. like helping Come him on. through like how to live on Voyager and coexist with them and he has a life with them. He's working almost 24 hours a day, like everyone else. So, and we don't even work 24 hours a day. Yeah, literally, um, we're in overtime. Yeah. yeah. So he he works, like, he does, like, way more work. But I, I think that makes it so special. Like, I, you really suddenly are all on the doctor's side and not conflicted anymore. Like, okay, this is not okay. And he really needs to gain the rights of his story. And it'll be such a huge step for um, hologram rights. Yeah, and, and I really love that 
that they have this whole like Federation arbiter and someone that to really see and pick apart the facts and the situation going on here because yeah, just getting more information and getting a larger scope of the situation is so important. And I think that, you know, though the doctor doesn't get like, he's like, I'm not sure that the doctor that holograms can like get full sentient rights, but like, I can say that this doctor, this is his property, the hollow program. So Janeway, of course, says like, oh, you should be, I, I thought you'd be happy, you know, that you got this win and taking this first step, you know, towards hologram rights. And he's like, yes, but it feels, no pun intended, hollow, mm -hmm. you know, and that is truly just exactly how change feels. So slow, like molasses, and sometimes it feels hollow because how much did we have to lose to get here, you know? Or how many setbacks did he have to face? Or it's just so many questions you ask yourself in a situation like that. And I thought it was a really important thing that he brought up because you can celebrate those victories and also understand that it's there's still so much more fight to come, you know? And I love that that, that this is how they pose the ending of the episode with these all these Dr. Zimmerman holograms working in like a mining facility or something saying hey have you seen this program like go go watch photons be free and it's starting to you know create change and create even just any kind of interest and any kind of exploration outside of your sphere is so important and it was really cool that that was how they posed the ending this is like the star trek for them they're like bro yeah go watch photons be free <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna like really make you think like this episode does yeah yeah i agree i love the way that this ends i think this is a good place to say because we are near the end of our hologram rights section that this has been brewing this type of trouble has been brewing since the next generation we talked about how a character realized um poor dix's friend that he was sentient and he starts asking questions like what happens to my family like are they real like how long are we turned off for like all these problematic things he starts realizing once he understands he's a hologram there's been varying degrees of people understanding that they're sentient and it's been touched upon everything with Vic and so this is absolutely time for Starfleet to start making these decisions before it runs completely out of control. Like if what had happened, like the holograms taking over the Herogen in Flesh and Blood, if that had happened in the Alpha Quadrant, they would be in trouble. Like, yeah. Imagine that <laughs> happening on DS9 or something. Like, Vic, like yeah. murdering everyone who comes in oh, the Hollow Suite. It's like, I'm hunting yeah. you. Sha la la la. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally, and it's Moriarty's story too. You know, that was way more dangerous because. Picard just left him in the buffer for like five years. Yeah, and they wouldn't be having these issues if they had rights and they had like legal mm -hmm. protections. No one would be hunting them. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. So or it would be a consensual catch and release. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and I know we did not even touch Endgame um, in this mm -hmm. watch through, but I want to say like in the Endgame future where Voyager makes it home after a long time and Chakotay and Seven are dead, we see that yeah. the Doctor is like thriving. He has all these young wives yeah. and he's never aging and he looks the same and he's like 
wealthy his holidays hollow novel yes yeah. like he's having the his best possible life and i love to see this of course we have no idea right now what he does in the current canon i'm sure again sorry to all you people who read the novels i just don't know what he's doing but um i hope we find out soon yeah um agreed. robert ricardo would be a delight to see again so i just think it's like, I, I love seeing this journey for him, and I would never in a million years have guessed in season one that he would have rights by the end of the show and completely yeah. change my mind about holograms, honestly. Agreed. Especially this watch list and this series is helping me to understand that, like, things are much more complex than they seem always. And that is so true with the holodeck and all of these episodes. And we're going to see more implications of this as we move on. Yeah. Oh, this is a big moment. <laughs> Here we go, y'all. <laughs> are you strapped in? We are moving on to program number two in Holodeck 2. This is Holodeck Excursions. So we're starting off with chapter one, Spare Time, with Heroes and Demons, Twisted, Alter Ego, Extreme Risk, Once Upon a Time, Tinker Tenor, Dr. Spy, and Pathfinder. And then we will enter chapter two to guide you through with real life, worst case scenario, someone to watch over me, and human error. Um, I also would like to remind you to please get a sip of water and <laughs> go get a snack. <laughs> if you are, well, I think you know we're we're at a we're at a pretty good pace right now, so we'll see we'll yeah. see how it goes. Just take care of yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think the best way to take care of yourself is to keep listening. So yeah, personally agreed. Yeah. Self-care is listening to yes. <laughs> the antics. Well, and we ended the, like, hologram rights section just now, so it's going to get really light in this part, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is spare time. And Woo. we, you know, I guess we're starting with Beowulf. <laughs> I just realized this is a season one episode. This is a weak Heroes. start to the section. Yeah. <laughs> Heroes and demons. I could definitely tell you that I did not, like, ever probably watch this through all the way because I'm sure I fell asleep in my first watch through of this. I had no I memory <laughs> of this one whatsoever. Yeah. No memory. And you think I would have remembered the best part of this episode, which is the amazing soldier woman who steals the entire show and probably up there with one of my favorite holograms now. Like, she's awesome. Fantastic lady. I loved her. Does she get a name? Uh, if she's like Guinevere or something, cool. But yeah, something like that. Something, something awesome. Like... That's sad. Our favorite lady, we don't even know her name. <laughs> you know, I'll look her up real quick. <laughs> yeah, so this is Harry's program that he's chosen. Harry, Kim, just, you know, we already know he's a lover of the holodeck. And these are apparently in his days before he's hanging out with Tom. So he is just on his own going through Beowulf. And he is Beowulf. I love how this starts, and th the reason they realize that something's wrong is because Harry's, like, missing, and they're like, where's Harry? And it says, Harry's not on the ship. And it turns out he was on the holodeck, and his, like, spirit, like, his soul <laughs> was taken. <laughs> this is a real summary. Like, this happened. His... <laughs> His spirit was was taken by, like, an energy alien that Balana and Janeway accidentally, like, let get loose in the ship because it was made of pure energy. And they just, like, didn't understand it. So it slipped through when one of the containers breached. 
And so it's totally messing up the hologram. It's literally kidnapping people and they're calling it Grendel, who's the scary monster in the story Beowulf. Um, I personally think that this was kind of a miss death fake outs that we did not talk about because for a couple minutes they fully yeah. believe they fully believe that Harry is dead and in our death fake out series we covered death fake outs that were even shorter than that like that were only a couple seconds so I feel like this deserves a mention because we also end up losing Chakotay and someone else too gets sucked into the energy look. oh my gosh all the heavy hitters like damn it turns out that the only way for them to save Harry and Chakotay and Tuvok, so it turns out that the doctor is actually the person who's best suited to help with the situation because he can go onto the holodeck and Grendel, the monster, can't take him, they think, <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, um, for some reason. <laughs> and he, because everyone else on the holodeck can't touch him like their swords go through him and so half of the people in the Beowulf story think that he's like a god he's like man you're even better than Beowulf woohoo so they say that he's the one who's going to slay the beast it turns out actually that the doctor the doctor's energy can be sucked away by Grendel and he loses an arm in this episode yeah. but I thought this was a this is an, another really early one this is like season one I think season one episode 12 so like halfway through season one ish it's another way that we see the doctor's limit of his ego that actually he's very scared because he's all talk like oh i want to do all this cool stuff on the ship but then when it's actually time to step up and do what janeway calls an away mission to go help he's terrified he's like i don't want to go in there but janeway like every good captain can convince him to get the job done yeah, and Freya is the name of the Viking shield maiden legend. Ah, oh, uh, thank you. I love Freya. You're right, it was Arthurian. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of photonic aliens part one we're dealing with here because it turns out, of course, that, yeah, this is from a protostar. Uh, so shout out to Prodigy wee -oo, <laughs> for that wee -oo. reference. <laughs> They're like, that's cool. Let's harness that power. <laughs> and I am glad that the Doctor gets to bond, you know, with the other holograms of the Beowulf scenario and gets to get out of his comfort zone a little. Yeah, and we see him for the first time kind of explore with love because he, yeah. like, makes out with Freya. Like, they have a great time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I thought this was actually a good heroic moment for the Doctor and an episode, again, that's kind of turning my opinion in more favor of him. Even though this episode's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of boring, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part is the end when they revive Harry Kim and he's in his like outfit and he's like, what I miss or something like that. I don't know what he says, but it's just like perfect because you know that he was just trying to have a good time on the holodeck. He didn't mean to get slayed by Grendel. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's so good. Okay. Well, let's get all twisted up. This is, <laughs> uh, this is called Twisted. It's Kess's birthday, and so Neelix goes to the trouble of planning this entire thing on the holodeck, and it's a surprise party, which means he's, like, working overtime trying to, like, corral the crew to come to the party and celebrate Kess. And when they get there, it's kind of a letdown because there's, like, an emergency that happens, and so everyone has to leave. But before that, there's an amazing scene where I totally forgot that this plot happened, but Tom was, like, really trying to get with Kess. Mm -hmm. And so he uses two weeks of rations on this necklace for Kim, or for Kess. <laughs> for Kim. <laughs> he would. He totally would. He says, buddy. Actually, he gave him his, like, 
boost up to talk to his parents so so did seven everyone was like trying to help harry in that episode but um yeah not to kim not it's not the gay story we want but to kess um and i rihanna i I want you to talk about this episode because rihanna made like a fantastic tiktok you have to go watch that really showcases like Janeway's thought process as the scene is going on in front of her. Oh my god, her face journey is remarkable. Like, truly, again, shouting out Kate Mulgrew for her acting because she just has all the expressions and it goes through in like microseconds, you know, she changes and watching this sort of tea unfold and spill out in front of her. Um, Neelix, of course, is like all jealous and pissed off, but... Yeah, they're, like, in a bar, I guess, in the holodeck. Like, it's not really specified where, but just sort of a regular party venue um, to use for Actually, a surprise party. So I did some... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ashley, go off, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've been dreaming about this pod because... I did, like, a lot of extra research because I, I love Voyager so much. And so I watched some episodes that, like, don't matter at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I, there's a little background where Tom created this pub because he wanted a place for people to hang out. And this is totally separate of Fairhaven. But this is... One of Tom's first creations. <laughs> yes. Um, I believe this is the inaugural episode of it, though, where he first opens it up. And he says he just wants, like, a place for the crew to come to have dinner or just to feel like it's not uh the mess hall like the same locations as always on the ship so this is also the introduction of tom wanting to throw parties wanting to throw group gatherings on the holodeck and use it more as a social space rather than let's play a hollow novel together or let's play you know like a video game <laughs> example um yeah. So I think in that, it's important, too, as an introduction for that. Being used for Kess's party. Yeah, I, I was just dead. Kate Mulgrew is yeah unbelievable. The, the facial expressions. And Tom just, like, boldly giving her the necklace? Lord. In front of Neelix. Wow. Yeah, Neelix is yeah. pissed. And he leaves. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to talk about something concerning, <laughs> slightly, to me. Okay. That... <laughs> it's slight, slight, slight. Oh, okay. Um, but Kess does not know about any of these, like, earth traditions so she doesn't know about the surprise party (laughs) (laughs) she does not know about the birthday cakes she doesn't know like a lot of the earth (laughs) you're just you're so right like it is a little weird (laughs) so a lot of the earth traditions of birthdays and a lot of them are very odd to an outsider like why would i want to be scared on my birthday why would you want to surprise me why would you want me to think that no one was going to throw me a party until you all showed up you know like and we have no idea what the ocompans do for birthday celebrations but i gotta say they're probably a lot bigger than a little like get together on the holodeck because they only have nine years so you know every year is like treasured and cherished and birthdays are i don't know maybe they're sacred maybe no one cares like i have no idea because no one bothers to think about what she would want for her birthday and they're all so concerned about what they think would be a good idea i don't know it's a neelix thing like maybe he's just trying to help her feel at home and trying to get everyone on board maybe i'm being too harsh but i just was like come on ask her what she wants yeah, well, and it's weird that Neelix would choose a human tradition. I think it's that the only reason he does that is because he's trying to get the whole crew on board so they will do something familiar. Yeah. But 
it is still weird. Like the whole idea. Cass was like, "What? Yeah, surprise! <laughs> like you all scared me. Yeah, like, yeah. The stuff. This is so yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great point, Rihanna. I just well, and also like, what if Okamans don't even have birthdays? Like they don't, or Thank they you. they don't celebrate them. What I know if it's like a day of mourning because they only have like <laughs> yeah, eight eight left. Eight left yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so let's keep going on to talk about what Kim and Tuvok do in their spare time. And also, this is a great transition because now we're going to another party that Tom is throwing. Oh, we get Tom uh, is really just like he's the actual morale officer. <laughs> honestly, him and Neelix do different jobs, but they're both yeah. equally important as morale totally. officer, co-morale yeah. officers. Um, because he throws a luau, and there's a lot of cultural appropriation, but, you know, skip on past it. Cause <laughs> yeah, because it's Star Trek, and it's Woo! the 90s. <laughs> yeah, Anything goes. Yeah, well, literally anything. <laughs> yeah. And so, but if you ignore that, um, or just take note of the era it was made in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's uh, something I have to mention. I'm sorry, everyone, but... Janeway and Chicote looking amazing together. <laughs> they come to the party and they are totally in the spirit and they're high key arm in arm, like giggling yeah. with each other, walking around the party. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and Janeway is so happy. Yeah. She's like thrilled to be at this party with Chicote. I mean, it's a glorious moment. Please watch the beginning of this party scene. It's so fun to see Janeway like more relaxed and. Again, also looking at the tea. Also, this Jane is Alter Wayne. Ego. I think we didn't say the title. Oh. <laughs> yes, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, alter Ego. Yeah. And again, Janeway's looking for the tea because Tuvok notices that Harry is talking to the hologram in which he has told Tuvok that he's in love with. And so Janeway's like spying on the tea. She's like, hmm, what's going on? Like Tuvok seems interested in this woman. He's like, oh, but he's with Harry Kim. And so and you can see the whole thought <laughs> process going on in her head. Once again, again. I just love it. A plus. Yeah. Um, she really just, like, gets on her, like, I'm looking for tea gossip when she's on the holiday. Um, okay, well, this is directed by Robert Ricardo. Great job, man. You, this is a fun episode. So, yeah, Janeway has great, um, she's hunting for the tea. The only tea she likes is gossip. <laughs> Unless she's having tea with Chicote, then she's fine with tea. <laughs> she's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, Harry is really desperate. Like, the way this whole episode opens is that he goes to Tuvok and asks him, like a little child, sorry. <laughs> He's like, how, <laughs> sorry, I just... <laughs> Not Harry tonight. <laughs> Anything goes. <laughs> I just I I don't know. He like annoys me in this episode because he says like, "How do I get rid of my emotions of this crush that I have with this hologram?" Tuvok says that it's love at first sight, and the Vulcans have um, a version of this called Shen Halak, which I thought was cool. Never heard of it. Love it. Um, thanks Tuvok for this knowledge. And, uh, so he attempts to teach Harry some, like, very, like, low-tier Vulcan games, and he doesn't allow him to play the cool game that Tuvok plays all the time. Calto, yeah. Yeah, Calto, because he's like, oh, it would take years to learn, like, it's pointless. And so it's really intriguing to him, then, when Tuvok, after he is talking to this hologram that Harry sent to, um, her name is Morena, Tuvok does see, wow, this hologram is way more 
she feels like more like she's more complicated than just a normal hologram and she really gets me and she seems like she's lonely and she's really connecting with my loneliness and she's like drawing out all these similarities that they have in each other and Tuvok who doesn't even want to go to the party she points this out because he's not wearing a lei and she mm-hmm. she says you're doing it on purpose as a symbol of protest like that you don't want to be here so you're not going to fit in and therefore it further isolates you from the rest of the crew and Tuvok's like oh, but I like whoa. that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but also whoa you just saw like you just yeah. read my mind and he stays all night like he's the last one there in the holodeck talking to this um hologram and shocked you know like I'm so surprised to see this and I thought it was great to see obviously he's married so like nothing can happen but I think just for him to have someone on his level of understanding is really good for him like romantic or not like everyone needs that person in their life totally yeah so this unfolds like very quickly and rapidly you're realizing, oh my god, this is actually another alien getting into another photonic yeah, <laughs> alien, <geez>. number two, <laughs> folks. Um, and it manifests itself as this holodeck character, like, in order to find its true companion in the loneliness or whatever. And essentially, I was shocked by Tuvok's sort of disregard for her, like, rights when it push came to shove, because... It, Harry Kim is like very distraught when he sees that they're together and he thinks like something's going on or he thinks oh my god you're trying to Mr. Steel you're still my woman like kind of thing and it's obviously not what it appears and Harry Kim is just you know getting jealous but Tuvok wants so desperately to make sure to like maintain his good relationship with Mr. Kim at first he says I'm playing with a non-sentient computer subroutine which like first of all rude you know Mm -hmm. like she's sitting right there and rude to the doctor, you know, and to, yeah, but you just admired her mind. Like, it doesn't matter if she's non-sentient computer subroutine. And then later on, he's essentially like, oh, if this is a big deal, then I'll just delete her. And he deletes her, like, seemingly from this program. Just like that. Yes. Okay. We see this a lot. And I really question, what does the word delete mean? Because yeah. if it means like, del- it, you know, I mean, this is what no- computers ask you all the time. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to save sure. this deletion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I assume it just means remove is my interpretation yeah. of it. Like remove this person from the program. But it could mean also delete as in like destroy the entire programming of the character. I don't think it means that though, because we've think so. we've seen episodes where they come back later, and it's more just like yes. instead of freezing the them, says, they're like yeah. just get out of here. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says like decompiled a lot is what he's threatened with. That's his like version of death, and so that's probably more permanent. But yeah, I'm mm-hmm. still shocked. I'm like no consent from Morena. I do want to say though that he did once they realized that it's an alien. It's the same aliens from the trade episode in TNG, and they made that reference to the Enterprise D. What I did not catch that. that. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Go back and watch that because it's so good. Yeah, because she can't be deleted from the system, and she's like in the sentient. She's essentially like a sentient computer creating its life form, and it's nebula caused as most things are (laughs) well she's just like sitting in this nebula like protecting it from imploding and that's the whole reason why voyager stopped there in the first place is because janeway was like oh my god science (laughs) like she had a science boner so she had to figure out why the nebula was not collapsing on itself and 
they certainly find out why. Because this <laughs> this lady's there. And she says, once Tuvok gets to the bottom of it, but there there is a time where I was thinking this is a Moriarty episode where somehow right. she's able to leave the holodeck because she appears in Tuvok's room. And I was thinking, how can she leave the holodeck? Like, how is this yeah. possible? But we find out that she is an alien who's just like tapped into the holodeck to the character of Morena. And the reason she connects so much with Tuvok is that she chose to live in this nebula and protect it alone. And so for comfort, she will tap into nearby ships and play with their holodeck system. But she has never connected with anyone like she has in Tuvok. And I just, I love this because it really gives a sense that like Tuvok is so unique and like he's so wonderful in so many ways, but also he's so lonely. And she says like, stay with me, you know, and it'll be great. But of course, like he's married, he's not interested in her romantically, but it was great to have a a mind like that to talk to. And so at the end of the episode, he realizes, okay, I should probably start reaching out to my peers because that was kind of crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of the Hoshi episode where she wears the sexy 90 that we all hate. (laughs) We hate the sexy 90. 90. All time listened to episode in 2022. (laughs) Yeah, shout out. Um, It just reminds me of that because also like this creature could read or this entity could read her her thoughts and was like oh i know you're lonely i know that you want companionship and i can provide that and try to like keep her there so uh yeah this is a really interesting scenario and so sad that she just uses this character as a puppet she says you know to uplink to her ship and this poor holiday character who's just trying to live their lives is being used as this like bait for tuvok Oh, yeah, I was going to say, actually, they do mention Moriarty in this episode as well. So when Tuvok goes to the rest of the crew and says, um, Morena appeared in my, (laughs) in my room, what's going on? Janeway does bring up, she's like, oh my gosh, they had this problem on the Enterprise D where the holodeck character was able to take over the ship. So this was just a full on, like, again, love letter to Star Trek. We said it. Finish your drink, everyone. It's a holodeck special, absolutely. And Harry says that he even studied that episode at the Academy, which is so, again, classic Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I saw the holovids of that. Yeah, I might have been mistaken then if they were mentioning Moriarty. I thought they were mentioning the train one, but... They definitely mentioned Moriarty. Who knows? I think maybe they just stacked the deck on this one. They're like, they okay, yeah. let's just add a lot of throwbacks. I will also was laughing too because after this, Janeway says, well, let's just delete her. And I was thinking about delete the wife, which is um, <laughs> coming at the end of the podcast. But I was like, yes. Janeway loves deleting these ladies. <laughs> these poor women are being deleted all over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, the rest of my notes just say like, Chakotay has a lay and I love Janeway's lay. So I think, <laughs> I think we, it's probably fine to move on. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So, Ashlyn, let's talk about, let's take a little more of a serious turn here, talk about Extreme Risk. This is an episode in which Hol- uh, Bolana. well, I just actually want to give, like, a blanket trigger warning. This episode is, like, pretty intense. It talks about, like, depression and anxiety and, like, symptoms of self-harm and stuff, so. And suicide just, as well. Yeah, and suicide. Yeah. So, you know, take care of yourself, take a break if you need to during this part, mm-hmm. but, um, this is essentially Torres trying to handle her depression in a way that is unhealthy and using the holodeck to do it, to sort of give her this thrill seeking, like, the, 
she needs to feel alive, but it's also she's turning off the safeties and doing really dangerous programs, and it's really affecting her work on the ship and her mental health severely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is this is a tough one, and the the reason she's going into this is because everybody got their letters or everybody gets a round of letters which I'm like, you have to stop me if I say something wrong because I read a fic last night about this also. <laughs> um, so if I say something wrong, please let me know. Amazing. Um, I don't remember letters at all, but maybe I missed that part of the episode. Well, so. it or it might have been the one before, but basically Bellana has received, Bellana and Chicote, everyone has gotten news about what's going on in the Alpha Quadrant and the Maquis have all been murdered. Whoa. Whoa, whoa! This is not talked about enough <laughs> in the Star Trek canon in general. And yeah, I'm, like, how could I forget that? I'm glad they take an episode to talk about this, but they do so in a very like tough to watch way because we this like the episode opens with Bolana in a shuttle and she's like free diving from higher than the atmosphere on a planet, just like going down. Turns off the holodeck safeties. Um, as she's like skydiving from space, essentially. And she gets called engineering because she has to repair something. So she's like, damn, ends the program, goes to work. And then throughout the episode, we see her doing really dangerous things in the holodeck where she's fighting a Klingon and safeties are off. She's getting hurt. Um, And we find out. And so all of this comes to a head when basically the whole ship is working on building the Delta Flyer, which is very exciting. And... Like, Bolana has no emotion about it, and the rest of her crew sees that she's not excited, she's not happy, she's not angry, she's feeling no emotions, she's with completely withdrawn from everyone, and this has been going on for weeks. She's barely talking to Tom, and yet, she volunteers to go to the holodeck to check out the microfracture situation, because Tom is... <laughs> Tom has found a cause, and he's trying to, like, go underwater, um... Right? This is the one? No, that's uh, 30 days. <laughs> this is, they need the Delta Flyer to, like, get a certain piece of scraps. You oh, know, that the, like... yes, the probe. Yeah, the probe, that's right. Because the probe got some yeah. good shit. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. need the Delta Flyer to help them, like, navigate it. And it's cool, it's good to have this kind of shuttle retrofit. Yes, thank you, Rihanna. Uh, yeah. And so... Bolana offers to go on the holodeck and check the microfractures and see if someone could survive in a simulation, which is totally legit for engineering. But what's not legit is that, again, she turns off the holodeck safeties and something does happen and she passes out, hits her head, and the doctor, you know, first of all, Chicote finds her, like, passed out in the holodeck after they can't contact her. And then the doctor, he's checking her out and he realizes you have a ton of injuries after like weeks of this that you haven't gone to the doctor for. He says you've treated with someone with the knowledge of a first year nursing student, you know, so very basic um, first aid. And Chakotay, oh man, we're just like, it just, it's going to continue to get more dicey as we go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Janeway has taken a notice. Um, Tom has taken a notice. Chicote's taken a notice. This is obviously like huge, big red flags to everyone else because clearly she is trying to hurt herself. Yeah, and there's like, you know, there's a lot of signs that are easy to chalk up to stress or easy to ignore at first, you know, and, and I think it is very valid that when you close someone off, 
you're not going to get through to them, you know, and she will brush people off asking questions about it or anything. Um, but yeah, I think it, what really is sort of questionable about this is Chakotay's version of what I th think is just exposure therapy, you know, is what he's attempting to do here. But it's so, it's a risk that pays off, but it's so like awful and it should not be done. And I think Chakotay even sort of questions his methods. He like essentially throws her into this simulation is like, um, what was, do you remember this, what the simulation was? Yeah, it was... Um, oh, oh, the one with the Baki dying. Yeah, it was literally, like, all of... It was a creation that Balana had made when she first heard the news. It was only open for, like, 30 seconds. And it was all of her friends dead, like, in a battle. Like, all of their bodies scattered around so she could see and, like, maybe have some closure or imagine what they went through. Mm -hmm. um, and so Chakotay, like, literally drags her. And I have a problem with the manhandling. Like, yeah. he literally drags her. Um, mm -hmm. And she's fighting and she really does not want to go. And mm -hmm. he, he looked into her, um, like, hologram usage. Yeah. You know, like, he dug deep mm -hmm. into what program she was looking at. And he clearly looked at all of them. I, again, I just don't know, like, morally if that's okay. She is definitely, like, can I think, like, considering, like, some doing something very permanent to herself and wants yeah. to. And mm -hmm. so I, I think maybe it's justified, you could argue, but it's still very problematic. But he, yeah, Rihanna, thank you. He uses exposure therapy and he literally drags her to watch this happen and kind of like forces her to talk about what she's feeling. And I, mm -hmm. it does help. Um, yeah. But I feel like there are much better approaches than this. And this, but this is the Maki way. We've seen Chakotay do a lot of physical things. Like he slaps his Maki dude yeah. um, mm -hmm. earlier when they're being trained and <laughs> all this yeah. stuff. So he has this side of him um, that totally. is kind of a dark side, but it he knows Bolana really well. He's her closest friend. And so yeah. luckily it pays off. Yeah. And I think a lot of this boils down to the lack of a counselor on this goddamn ship. And I think that you know this is no one's fault and this is not something that the the doctor is equipped for and or should be doing in my opinion they should just make um, a different hologram yeah they need a like counselor hologram not freud <laughs> not freud anyone but freud please for the love of god <laughs> yeah like someone you know modern who can fit a lot of parameters who has like experience in these kind of situations and there's just yeah, there's so much merit in talking to someone about, like, what you're going through, but it's just when you're not ready, you know, it's really difficult. And so I think that this was, that's why, like, it did pay off, but it could have been way worse and it could have, like, set her back even further and, like, the doctor might have had to intervene, you know, so it's just, it's hard to know what could have gone wrong because it went, it paid off and you're right, Chakotay knows her well enough. This is so tough and I appreciate the attempt from the writers to do this and to address some of like some mental illness stuff um but just like in real life like don't do that you know don't be chicote consider people need time to come to terms with stuff for themselves so yeah it was it's, it's just so like all of these episodes questionable and these characters make these questionable choices and we're gonna talk about that again in once upon a time <laughs> Yep, yeah, we absolutely will. Um, I also want to mention at the end of the episode, Bolana smiles and she eats her banana pancakes and she's feeling much better. 
which is great. But I think it gives the false impression that she's cured. And that cannot be true. (laughs) No, like, it it just negates, like, the the internal struggle and, like, work that she's going to have to put in for, like, probably a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, this is Star Trek, so I understand it, but I just want to remind everyone that she cannot be instantly better. That's not how it works. No, exactly. You can feel a lot relieved, but anyway. Uh (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, more therapy um, (laughs) is coming up next in Once Upon a Time. This is mostly like Neelix's therapy, (laughs) which actually we talk about a lot in the family episode uh, because Neelix is dealing with losing his family and how he really is seeing Naomi as an extension of his sisters and the people that he's lost. And also of he's mourning his own childhood, which was so full of fear and uncertainty. So when Naomi's mom gets stuck um, in a shuttle with Tom and Tuvok, Neelix is having a really hard time figuring out how to tell Naomi. Initially, he doesn't. Um, and then she just like... Not even initially, like the uh, most of the episode until she finds out on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Neelix, I guess, never tells her everything yeah. that's going on. But she's mm-hmm. smart and she knows like, hey, <laughs> there's something weird. Um, mm-hmm. The parts, of course, that are holodeck are Naomi's like flotter holo novels, which I love to realize that this is a very common childhood holodeck program. And again, we're talking about how the holodeck has really been around for a long time, which also I'm like questioning because I was thinking initially it was only like eight years or something, but Janeway and Paris both say as kids, they yeah. use the holodeck. Um, although, hey, they're both Starfleet brats though. Can I just True. say hol- um, holodeck privilege? I think you're right. Because J- yeah. uh, Admiral Janeway, Edward Janeway, mm-hmm. um, and also of course Admiral Paris are her- their parents. So anyway, Kim. oh no, I think it was Kim who had flutter. Yeah, Kim had flutter too. Well, mm-hmm. he's just he just had access. He's also yeah. young. He's baby. He's like the Gen Y of, <laughs> of Voyager. <laughs> he's like everyone's like I didn't grow up with a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I mean, despite like probably my incorrect timeline of holodecks, um, it was really cute to hear like at the end of the episode, Janeway says, you know, one time I flooded this entire forest because Flora was trying to solve the drought. And so she rerouted the river <laughs> to, to like destroy the forest. I just, mm, I'd love to Janeway. hear it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that it's really fun to see a child's version of like the holodeck because we don't get to see a lot. We, I think briefly mentioned it in our TNG episode of Loaxana and Alexander playing together in the holodeck. So similar vibes, but this is clearly like a beloved program. So it makes me think of like a adored kids TV program that's been on forever that like your kids' kids watched and everyone watched it or something, you know, similar, but you get to be involved. Forget iPad kids, like holodeck kids are next. (laughs) (laughs) Back in my time. Yeah, exactly. I was literally trying to think of a beloved childhood thing that everyone knows. And I I can think of like Sesame Street or like Arthur. I think Sesame Street is probably the best example. But um, maybe maybe for um, Mr. Rogers for like a different generation. Anyway, yeah. I I also like that there are elements too. Like um, in 
the first time we see this program, the like wood creature is the like villain, yeah, and it Trevis, t- turns yeah. out he's a friend all along. And Flotta represents water, and then there, there's an episode where there's fire, and everything gets burned down. That's when Naomi's Ooh. like at her peak sadness with Neelix, yeah. and they're all crying. <laughs> um, yeah, it's rough when Flotta is like evaporated. Yeah, awful. But she she restores him, which is good. Yeah, she figures um, it out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I th- there's probably air. I saw. I, it's also teaching them about science too, like yeah. which is what good kid shows do, like Sesame totally. Street. Yep. And it's it's really cool to see Naomi just like flex her diplomatic skills and be ready to be captain's assistant. You know, like she makes sure that Flotter and Trevis get along and helps the stop their quarreling and stuff. And I think too, it's important to note that she uses Flotter and Trevis to like keep Neelix away from her and be like hey like Naomi doesn't want to talk to you and that's where she goes to like retreat when she finds out about Neelix lying to her so I think that that you know it's important to have that safe space that she can go to and that she feels comfortable in and I like that the holodeck can be that for the small amount of kids on board for you. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah Yeah, okay well I think let's go on to the doctor's free time which is just daydreaming We've already brought up this episode way back in... Okay, we talked about this, I think, back in the, like, what's real section. Um, because in Tinker, Tenor, Doctor Spy, the same aliens who were in Renaissance, this is their origin, where they uh, are just, like, a passing ship, and this, like, low-down dude is scanning their ship for technology, trying to see, like, is it worth attacking them so we can gain some of their technology to steal from? And every time he, anytime anyone on the ship, like, has an idea, they give it to the captain, who then sends it to the hierarchy, who are these, like, mysterious group of people who control the alien species, or, like, their military. So this, one of these little worker dudes, he, instead of going to the captain with this suggestion, he goes right over his head to the hierarchy, and he gets approved. And what it is, what he's approved to do is tap into the holographic doctor on Voyager and basically use his eyes to spy on the rest of the crew and figure out everything about them. And for some reason, the images seem to go in and out. And in the beginning of the episode, you think, oh, it's just because he like has a weak signal or something. But it turns out he's actually tapped into a feature that the doctor just introduced into his system, which is daydreaming. And so... Another data level up. Yes, Exactly. Literally data, absolutely. Um, and so this this poor little alien dude thinks that the doctor is like the hero of the universe, like Superman, because in all of his daydreams, he's like the best captain ever and he's taking over an emergency position and um, he's like saving the day and everyone loves and admires him, which obviously is not reality of what's going on in Voyager. But it's interesting to see what his daydreams are and it's... Um, unsettling to see as the episode goes on that he cannot control when he's having the daydreams when everything starts to malfunction yeah it kind of reminded me of waking moments you know with Chakotay and the moon and we talked about it we talked about it in our spooky series and yeah I I liked this episode a lot I think that it's got a really unique take on like the doctor and his like this stage of his sort of evolution and stuff and it also then shows his like ego and his 
irritating attraction to Seven. I don't know. It just, like, rubs me the wrong way, those scenes, you know, where she's just doting over him and the women are all fighting over him. And It's not really funny. Like, I think maybe it it used to be funny, but I I was not laughing in this stage of my life now. Yeah, Ashley and I got to watch a lot of the episodes together. It was great. She would just text me and be like, hey, FaceTime in 20 minutes and watch an episode. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, and we watched this one together and we're both just like, okay, pack it up. (laughs) When you watch this many episodes, you have to have a teammate. (laughs) Yeah, literally, we needed help. Uh, So, I also want to say this is the, of course, I think my favorite daydream is when the episode opens and the doctor is singing Donna Mobile. Yeah. Donna Mobile. And then Tuvok goes into Bonfar and he, <laughs> he sings uh, just a fantastic scene. So much fun. Bravo, Robert Picardo, and just the whole crew for this daydream. Um, but yeah, I, I think that one's my favorite out of all of them. Oh, easily the best one. Yeah. And it is cool, though, to see like this did come, this did help him to like introduce a command subroutine into his program like if in emergencies he could you know work on the bridge and stuff which was one of his fantasies and so just like Ashlyn her dreamings became reality (laughs) his dreamings did and he does have a little subroutine um but yeah this is just a fun episode to sort of show us more about the doctor and also you know give us a little bit of a painful insight into (laughs) what he really like thinks of himself and everything yeah and i just want to add that he really deserves this command section of himself that he gets because at the end of the episode he convinces janeway and the rest of the crew like somehow i've been spied upon because the alien who ordered to the hierarchy hey let's go attack voyager he's freaking out because he realizes halfway through that these are just daydreams and not actually how it goes and so he discreetly contacts the doctor and says, uh, we're about to attack you. And he gives all the details. And so the doctor presents this to the crew and Janeway and she dismisses it. She says, no, like, I I don't think so unless you can give me some proof. And so when he does, then everyone takes him really seriously. But I thought it was interesting that their initial thing was to be like, uh, I don't think so. When, if it was anyone else, they would take that very seriously. It's so true. And another way that they like are showing kind of their prejudice, even if it's, not conscious you know it's still there and yeah they're they're quick to dismiss him for sure yeah and then at the end of the episode for the only the only way where it's going to work out for everyone is if the doctor pretends that he's the captain like he is in his fantasies and again we're seeing his how terrified he is to do this even though in his daydreams he's so brave and so charming and a great captain when it actually comes down to it, he is kind of terrible until he gains his confidence back and he is able to save the day with kind of an improvisation on the spot. He says like, I am the doctor, like fear me, you know, like get away from here. And they believe that and they leave. And so he did save the ship, even though it was kind of a weird way of doing that. And so that's why Janeway says, okay, you can develop your command subroutines. And also maybe this is a chance for me to realize that humans, like us organics cannot like in the best way possible have two positions on the ship like it would be impossible for someone to be a doctor and like a backup captain but she doesn't know and she admits I don't know the extent of your program because you're basically a new life form so you can probably be doing multiple things at once um and I'm just gonna have to trust that it's gonna be okay essentially so kudos for that 
mind change and like the way that she's opening up and thinking about the doctor by seeing this other side of him. And also they all see his fantasies too, which is a very like awkward scene. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he feels very like naked, but I think Mm -hmm. it really helps the crew to understand, wow, he like is more human than we thought. And so we have to actually respect him and he does have potential for growth because he can change and he has ambition. And that's what Janeway realizes too when he's making those mistakes and like flesh and blood and and everything too. She's like, oh yeah, you disobeyed me. And that's like the most human thing you could have done. And that's the example she used to help her argument and author author. So it's really cool to see all these threads connecting the doctor and his his story. And I just got to applaud Voyager again. Like this is just Voyager love fest essentially. I mean, isn't it always? Well, yeah. usually. <laughs> I feel like it usually is. Yeah. Okay, so um, we are diving into the last episode of Program 2, Chapter 1, and Rian and I just had a quick meeting off screen, um, or <laughs> off pod. This yeah. is going to be the last episode of the of Part 1 of our Voyager Holodeck episode because we still have about... 14 episodes to go and I just I feel like it would be better if we have two parts where we both have energy (laughs) yes we want to still have life force and not have to be taken away by the Grendel proto like photonic guy so yes so this is going to be a great place to stop because Pathfinder is a really juicy episode and I think feeds into the Star Trek canon as a whole not just for Voyager and it gives us clues into what's happening in the alpha quadrant which is so exciting so this is season six episode 10 so we're getting close to home closer every day and barkley in his spare time as this section states is obsessed with voyager and he is spending he says something crazy like 80 i wrote it down it was how many Um, how many minutes he's been sending 20 or 30 hours a week on the holodeck. So that's like a part-time job he's been spending on the holodeck. And he has a full-time job at Starfleet working, Mm -hmm. um, like, in hollow proton section of Starfleet. Whatever he does, yeah. Yeah, so he's obviously off Enterprise D, and he has been for a while. This is movie-era TNG. I think we're around, like, insurrection-ish. So... He, oh, he, got, he got dropped off probably after their seven-year mission, and we can assume he's been here. But he's taken an interest in Voyager because uh, he feels really connected to them, and he runs nonstop hologram um, or nonstop holodeck programs of himself on Voyager as part of the crew, trying to get them home and like modifying certain things on the, the simulation of the ship to see if it will work in real life. Um, he, the thing yeah. is, he didn't have to add these characters. He's just doing that... like. To feel like he has friends. Yeah. Um, also, a great appearance in this episode is Troy. Yes! I love to see her back. That was... It's fun to see her, yeah, in, like, the movie uniform and stuff to really make help us with continuity. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Troy is here because he... It seems he's had a relapse of his hollow addiction. And it's clear that this is because he feels like he can only make friends through the Voyager crew and through holodeck characters. And this was a problem that he experienced on Enterprise as well. And the sort of HR nightmare that is appearing <laughs> in both of these places, you know, like it's still creating members of Voyager, even if they're far away and don't know about it, 
about it, it's still bad, you well, know? And yeah, I think it's disturbing, like, when Tom's dad, like, Admiral Paris, comes and sees what's happening. He's like, uh, that's my son. That's really awkward. Yeah, he was like, that is not good. And I'm glad that, you know, they pointed out, and they are really trying to discipline him, and Barkley is just relentless because his obsessive behavior has just, like, snowballed, and obviously Troy can't, like, help him in one day, you know, of one session. And he literally at one point says, like, a little instability for contact with Voyager is worth it. And that is just, like, so negligent of his own, like, what he actually, his own needs and stuff. And so very Starfleet. Like, oh my god, I, that is, like, <laughs> the, the, the banner. You know, a little instability is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> because we've seen, I mean, I'm thinking Michael Burnham. I'm thinking, like, every character. <laughs> Riker, Picard, like Janeway, even um, <laughs> everyone is like this. Yeah, everyone has to go a little bad sometimes in order to get stuff done. Um, but it's still not worth it, and it's and Troy is noting noting that like you you've done amazing things to help Voyager, but you also need to take care of yourself, and we need to work on helping you now. You know, and he can't let go of this though. Yeah, and since Barkley is such a Hall of Fame character in the Holodeck series, I will spend a little bit of time talking about his like mental state because I think whenever he's at a new location he has a hard time making friends he's someone who really sits back and waits to for for people to come to him to form connections and when that's not working he goes to the holodeck and this is exactly what he did on Enterprise until people started reaching out with him and being like hey dude what's going on like are you okay and same thing here. Um, he, I think it started because he was at this new station and he wasn't making friends and he wasn't reaching out. And so he said, well, I am lonely, but I don't want to put in the work with the people around me because I'm nervous about it. Um, so I'm just going to be on the holodeck because that's my safe space. And I'm just running simulations. It's like the same excuse Bilano used too. Like, oh, I'm just going to go hide away because it'll help me to work more efficiently. Same thing that Seven is going to say later. Um, like, oh, I'm just like doing a project you know it's so easy to yes. use that as a cover for when you're using the holodeck as a like emotional aid yeah and it turns into a crutch which turns into into something that can be really unhealthy and I am so so glad you brought that up Ashlyn it's important to look into Barkley in this way um and I think that like understanding sort of those behaviors and everything really makes me understand the character more because there, there, you can do so much good with that type of like drive and passion for something um and he does you know end up getting this this communicator like Midas array running and gets a message to Voyager which is just incredible but I think it's still like it's so important to think about like <laughs> you can't lose yourself in the work and you can't give your all to one thing because then you won't have yourself anymore to do anything else it, it's exactly what he's retreating to Absolutely. It's reminding me of whenever you fly in an airplane, they say put on your own oxygen mask before you put on your child's or anyone else who needs assistance because you can't do anything if you're incapacitated. And Barkley, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He's like, it's fine. I don't need a social life. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah. He, he's not ready to let go of that, you know, and this is why he needs counseling and he needs someone to help him through this and he needs friends you know like people forget how important 
those friendships are and those connections are. And we remember during the pandemic, you know, when we couldn't see any of our friends and moved to different cities and all of our lives changed in different ways. I think it, it, it brings out the reminder that Troy said of you turned down a dinner invite to go be on the holodeck, you know, and to, to sort of give him that reality check of like, Hey, you can retreat into your life, but it's going to start to affect everything around you, your job, your friendships, your happiness. And it does, you know, and we see that start to deteriorate. And yet, despite all of this, he still figures out a way to communicate with Voyager because of this like tiny wormhole that he opens because he like modified a station so far away, like something super cool. Again, he reminds me of who uh, the people we just, the little aliens we just discussed in Tinker, Tenor, Doctor, Spy. Yeah. <laughs> because he goes over uh, his boss's head and goes right to Admiral Paris and speaks when he shouldn't in a meeting and says, hey, I think I can make this happen. And even when he's fired and taken off the program, he still sneaks in to Starfleet yeah. and makes these modifications. And his like hope is that his hope is that he makes this connection with Voyager and then he says, see, it worked. And then kind of asks for forgiveness rather than permission. And it's a little delayed, but eventually that is what he gets. And I have to say one of my favorite heartwarming moments where I tear up and like, I, I, Oh, it's such a good part when Janeway is talking to Barkley over the communication and you can see Again, goddess Kate Mulgrew, like she's tearing up. Like the whole crew is frozen and they're just watching. Like they're so united. Like, oh, it's getting me again. Like this is such an amazing scene. (laughs) I am so glad this is included. And what a way to end this episode about the detachment of community and the, the feeling lost and disconnected and feeling isolated to then making that first connection again and of course this is about his obsession fueling Barclay's obsession with Voyager but it's still important to remember that like that was his first step to now you know he's getting the respect he deserves from his like literal prowess just as an engineer um and then also starting to learn to heal and maybe you know turn his like passion into something that doesn't make it an obsession but anyway like that that scene Oh man, to see like the the tears glittering in all their eyes, just like, it's so incredible. And what a gift he gave them, you know? Yeah, and I think a part that's so cool for him too is that they only know him as their savior, you know, as someone who brought them what they've been missing for so long, which is communication with the Alpha Quadrant. And there's like not even a delay. Like, of course, it's so unrealistic. Like even like when we like talk to the moon, there's like an eight minute delay. But yeah, Yeah. it's still like, uh, yeah, yeah. it should be it should be like, (laughs) I think Um, at least an hour, you know, like that's (laughs) give us an hour. So they're just speeding up, you know, for the benefit of us in that. For the 45 minutes. Yeah. 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 They're like, we can't wait a full hour. Um, But yeah, it's still like a very impactful scene. Again, this is season six and it's the first like real solid chance that they have, not even of going home, but just of like being able to tell their loved ones like how they're doing. Yeah, and that they're alive. And like, 
I love that they're able to upload their logs and their yeah yeah they yeah. send they send everything. Yes, and Barkley sends a picture, like a live uh, video of the moon. Is that in this? Movie? No, of the of no, the earth of, of earth. the earth. Yeah. yeah, they're like, hey, I, yeah, I think that's the other emotional moment is when he's like, hey, I got this for you. Anytime you guys want, you can just tap on and watch the earth as it's going. And she's mm-hmm. like, Catherine, I'm just calling her Catherine. Catherine. Um, yeah. Jane like, oh, like thanks, <laughs> like it looks yeah, good, like, you what know. A gift, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was so good. Um, can we just note, though, that Uh-oh. the doctor co- coming out of pocket at the end of this episode <laughs> tells all of the crew on the bridge, like all the bridge crew when they're celebrating, all of Barkley's ailments. He's like, oh, <laughs> yes, well, oh, I saw that he has anxiety and a hollow addiction and all these other ailments. I'm like, bro, <laughs> like, com- confidentiality, please, anything. Be you just cool. <laughs> Got your communications already going, like. <laughs> well, and Janeway's like, well, whatever. Like he helped us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So way to go, Barkley. In the end, and I, I'm glad that Troy is there to help, and that he can hopefully get some uh, friends that aren't just photonic. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think this is the last episode that we'll talk about Barkley in the holodeck series total. So I also want to mention he does appear. Um, don't worry, next episode we're going to do a whole honorable mention section. But he does appear in the episode Inside Man, which is in uh, season seven. Also, we do see Barkley because they're able now to send regular communication uh, back and forth with Voyager. And so they get like a giant file and it has a Barkley hologram. And that one's crazy. Uh, We didn't watch that one, but we will mention it because... It only has Barclay's hologram. That's like the only hologram part of it. But it mm-hmm. it is essential to getting the crew home. But also, like, Barclay's working with the crew and it's a really dangerous plan that he has. So if anything, it just shows that, like, he's still infallible even though he's trying really hard to get yeah. them home. Yeah. But in, in the end, like, in Endgame, it, I mean, he has, like, huge amount of credit. Yes, it is technically, like, Admiral Janeway who, um, like, sure. gets them home in the end. But in the first way round, Barclay was a huge part in getting them home so he's he's a legend no matter what kind of struggles he has um and also again we said it before but all of us are probably Barkley. like those are the characters we're closest to if we're being honest with oh, ourselves absolutely. <laughs> it's all it's very relatable and i think what a lot of us would struggle with if there was a holodeck in our in this time so yeah i truly understand him and i love that memory alpha says at the end here about Barkley that he was one of the first to welcome the, the starship crews home you know once they appeared uh, at the, uh, the Transwarp Conduit. So hats off to Barkley, and uh, I just really appreciate the holodeck episodes that we got out of him, even when they're questionable. You know, it's still just like they're human, and it, that's what we're learning with the Doctor as well. Yeah. I mean, we might see him in season three of Picard. Oh, perhaps. Yeah, I don't think Barkley's out, out of our Stice life forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well... With that, we are going to put a little pause on the Holodeck series, and um, we will record it to part two for you tomorrow. I'll just give you a little preview. So um, we're going to be starting chapter two 
of the holodeck excursion episodes with to guide you through and then we have still to go the entire photonic french which includes programs like captain proton Fairhaven, mrs davenport and da vinci so wow. we've got <laughs> yeah. some fun ahead we've also got some learning and lessons ahead of us and so i think it's going to be a really good balance to finish out our holodeck episode and Rihanna, I just want to thank you for going through this insane watch list with me. I have had a amazing time watching these episodes, and I think that this is another like true achievement for us is to get through these hologram holodeck episodes. It's reminding me of our historic family series and also our DS9 and also our DS9 villains episode. So I'm just grateful to be doing the pod with you and grateful for our listeners for being ready for more holodeck episodes to come. Yes, thank you all so much. And Ashlyn, I'm so, so excited to record part two with you. And I, yeah, I just can't believe all the stuff I learned about myself and about Voyager and about the Doctor in this holodeck uh, watch list. And there's still so much more exciting discussion to come. Um, So thank you for tuning in and just like being so flexible with us uh, (laughs) as we decide to make part twos on the fly. (laughs) I kind of had a feeling. (laughs) It took us about 40 minutes to organize the episode. Yeah, that's when we knew. And normally it it normally takes like 10 minutes (laughs) or less. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you for coming along on this journey with us. And Ashlyn, thank you for all your incredible insight. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Absolutely. Computer, freeze program. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the fifth episode of our holodeck series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will dig in to even more photonic friends and enemies in part two of our Voyager series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, Death Fakeouts, First Officers, and the Spooky Series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and check out any of these amazing episodes. Social Media and Marketing is by me, Ashley Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashley Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. And, like, literally save his crewmates. He's very scared and hesitant to do it. Very scared and hesitant to do it. <laughs> Just, like, blow it up. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I was like, please dismiss notification. Like, get it out of here. <laughs> Just, like, can't turn off how famous I am. Okay. Um, but, yeah.